You're a stupid child with fat hands who can't use scissors. Hey, boomers! Welcome to your festive look inside the world of Sega and the 90s. Sonic the Comic here on Sonic the Comic, the podcast. We are your... Is there a festive version of the word humes? Hume-tides. Holiday, holiday humes, holly decked humes, deck the whole humes, humes. <laughs> we are the humes who think we're in charge. Good. I'm Dave Bulmer. My name is Chris McFeely, and you can hear our third. <laughs> She's back again, again. I've been getting into the Christmas spirit. I woke up at the crack of dawn this morning. I woke up at five thirty in the morning, <laughs> and then and then David said, "Hang on, I have to have breakfast." Yeah, and took three hours to cook his breakfast while I was just sitting on this call, yawning. Abby, has been uh, accommodating us by getting up early to account for the time difference and we forgot to tell her that the clocks here have changed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Abby, did you sorry, did you say your name? No, you didn't. Oh, I'm I'm Abby Denton. Hi. They know though. We're family. Right we're Yeah. Back for her three-peat appearance. Yeah. For Crimbo. Yeah, it's a Crimbo That's what issue. You people call it Crimbo. Can you believe it's Christmas again already? I flipping can't. We've had what three this on is the our podcast? Third Christmas on the podcast? No, yeah, one in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says "crack open Crimbo" with STC, and the uh, cover art here is a big Sonic close to the camera, doing a big grin into the camera. Uh, normal sized knuckles in the distance, and between them, they are pulling a cracker, which itself. So the cracker has a drawing of Robotnik's face on, but I feel as if it's been done to evoke the sense that Robotnik is the cracker, yes. and that they're about to crack him, and that he's feeling pain. He's quite they distressed rip his about the being whole thing, yes. Apart, yeah. These evil gods have to be stopped. They're tormenting a man beyond his, his mortal needs. And do you see how the Robotnik face looks like a drawing? Well, that's, that is a drawing, but, but you can see that like it looks like a pencil drawing or something. It like does. you can see the pencil strokes in it, or, or yeah. pens maybe. You can see the yeah. strokes of whatever was used to draw it. Unlike everything else on the cover, not sure what they're going for with that one. Yeah, but. that's right. The, in particular, the the coloring is definitely mm. done with pencils, and you can see all of the. Yeah, I never noticed that. I was looking at the outline, and I, I already thought that from that. It looks kind of like it's a diegetic uh, drawing. In one of those uh, AOSTH, right? That's what you call that one cartoon. Well, maybe that's what they call it. We certainly don't. <laughs> Where, like, there'd be a picture of Robotnik and he'd make a face. Like, he'd move even though it was a drawing. Because it's a cartoon, <laughs> was... so you can do it. It looks like he probably had a cool face on when he printed them. But now that they're doing something horrible to it, he's been warped into pain, horror, all the feelings I associate with Christmas. So, is that your impression of the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog? That it's that thing where the drawings move? That <laughs> <laughs> thing where the drawings move. Well, we, we had on tape that one with the, the cartoon where like the, the magazine had a button yes. that made yes I remember it. yes move. there's a comic with moving ah, pictures so yes silly. oh what was that called I don't know but it was where I was introduced to I've fallen and I can't get up they do that as a joke yes, at the end of the episode that's kind of like the big payoff joke at yeah. the end of it isn't it yeah when, when, when it, that's the gag in the comic and then it happens to Robotnik and then it in happens. air quotes real life and I think it's an American advert for like someone's old who's fallen and can't yeah, get up. It's, it's the life alert. Personal things, security yeah. life alert. I just know it from Sonic. So listeners, just so you understand who you're dealing with here, we opened up this uh, issue and Dave said, so uh, w when did this issue come out? Holding a magazine that said, crack open Crimbo with STC. Happy Christmas cracker on the front. Dave, I don't know. Yes. I don't know when this came out. It's, we may never find out. Abby is referring to the fact that I didn't realize that this was the Christmas yeah. issue. But well, I might not. 
Because of everything other than the cover, right? Well, yes, that's that is the truth. Like the content of the comic is summarily entirely unrelated to Christmas, which is a rare thing. It's like, a deeply yeah. festive comic. It's it's thematically it's all about, <laughs> you know, the rebirth the coming of the Lord. Oh yeah, there's the coming of the Lord comic. We'll get to the coming of the Lord strip later. Okay, that's, that's spoilers. But no, it's just right. It's a Christmassy cover. The Sonic logo has got sparkles on it. There's a Christmas cracker. It's just that I expect two or three of those, and then there to be one actual Christmas. Issue. I mean, but you only expect that because we had two last year. There yeah. was only the one the year beforehand. Oh, is that right? Okay. We haven't said it yet, but this is issue number sixty-seven which is cover dated the 22nd of December, but released on the 9th of December, which is, it's why well, it's a little odd, because it means there will be one more issue released before Christmas actually gets here. Oh, oh. But that one's the one that, that gets branded the New Year issue, yeah. because, it, you know, its release window spans the festive perineum between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> Well, Dave was very excited when he realized this was a Christmas episode. And I, I think it's understandable that he, he wouldn't have realized this was necessarily the Christmas issue. Because yes. in Dave's world, um, What's this going to be? <laughs> most meals are accompanied by breaking open a Christmas cracker. Oh, well, no, that turned out quite nice in the end. I was, <laughs> you were worried about expect- where that was going, right? I was expecting a big dunk and I, and I got just a lovely little image. Christmas is part of your brand. I've always thought of Boxing Day as a kind of a taint. <laughs> <laughs> Chaotix Inside, new Sonic story, and the issue of claims here is crammed with goodies, prizes, pinups, pictures, and more. I do expect pictures from my comic, yes. (laughs) And last thing is, featuring the Cybernick, where often we get a little Sonic head featuring Sonic the Hedgehog. I guess we can tell very clearly that Sonic's in this one, so they've put featuring the Cybernick. Is that the first time we've had a sort of an STC-owned character? Yeah, I think so. And it just makes it feel like they've got wind that there are kids who would buy it for Short Fuse the Cybernick more than they would for Sonic. I don't know what to think about that. It seems a bit like of an assumption, but also it's kind of cool. They knew where their bread was buttered. I mean, there's a knuckle strip, so you might have expected them to put also featuring Knuckles, except he's yeah. on the cover too. So it's, yeah. a, it's a draw between Cybernick and Decapitac. But I can see why they picked Cybernick, because he's obviously some kind of robot, and that's obviously cool. That's so. cool. We're going to crack open the comic in just a moment, but this, this issue, we have a unique... Just a on the back cover, so we flip it over. Well, unique is a good word to describe whatever on God's earth these things are. Yeah. Because let me tell you, right? Yeah. I typed this into Google. Oh. And you only get a handful of results, and they're all on old nutritional websites. Nutritional web? Yeah. Well, I can't imagine they do well on those. Exactly. Nobody has any memories that they're recalling on message boards or old uh, websites where they're keeping jars of this stuff sealed on their on their shelves to appreciate in value. No, this is an ad for... It's one of those advert slash compos, isn't it? Yes. Yes, we've been seeing more and more of those. It's an advert slash compo for chivers or chivers... Bread busters. Mm. Flavoured spreads. Yes. I've never cared for that term, spreads. Spread, no, I know. You want to say jam, but it probably isn't. you could say jams, marmalades, but these are not that. No, they are weird flavour, chaotic flavoured jam, let's say. I mean, I will allow psycho strawberry. Psycho strawberry. That's strawberry jam. No problem. Yeah. Put a little bit of, I don't know what they've done to zing it up. Probably whatever the pastels people did to zing up the lemon and lime ones. They added razzle dazzle. Yeah. 
I don't imagine it's fizzy or or in it. I don't imagine it to be psycho in any way. No. I imagine the psycho component comes in the package design. It's going to be strawberry and then a few extra E numbers for a little bit of a tingle. But the other two flavors. All right, here we go. So we've got wicked sherbet flavor, which is a, a sort of a, a metallic gold-looking flavor. Uh, just to look at. By the way, you can see the three jars here mm. in, in the advert. Yeah. Who knows what effect is had by the the conditions of the photography or the reprint? But to me, that looks like a kind of a metallic yellow. And then funky cola flavor. Not even spelled with a K. No, no, not even spelled <laughs> with a K. So cola spelled normally. And Chris, when I saw the cola flavor. <gasps> Some sort of memory unlocked. Now, mm. I can't swear. I've checked with my brother. He can't swear either. Dave, you can swear. I believe in you. <laughs> well, blithering prat. Um, <laughs> well, blathering blatherskite. Who's got my bread, busters? <laughs> well, something about this. The pure anarchy of having something that's the wrong flavor to spread on your... Something, and that's where the memory—that's where the memory falls short. Because I'm looking at him, going, "Yes, cola flavor. Of course, I would have wanted the cola flavor one. That's the one I would have wanted more than Same. D- f- f- the strawberry flavor. Who cares about that? It's just jam. If I want strawberry yeah. on my toast, I'll have jam. Dave, you can't swear here. <laughs> Who cares about that? Sure, but yeah, sure. I'm, I would have been interested in the show, but it's the cola flavor. That's the novelty. That's the real novelty. And I have this memory of being like, "Yes, let's have the." Co- but I could be thinking of jelly, I could be thinking of anything, because the memory stops at the point where I try and remember what I spread this on. Mm. I do not remember having cola on toast, and I think I would. Just eat it with a spoon out of the jar. No, no, no. No, no, never. <laughs> Little Dave would never. No, no, no. No, I, I, actually, no, I never would. I've eaten a sugar lump in my time. Out of the upturned hand of a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, so this is bizarre, and I don't... We haven't even mentioned the Yikes Pencils packaging either. No, but I'm sure they're imagining it correctly. I hope so, yeah. It looks like an early days Q-Zone or something, doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, or, or like behind the review zone or whatever, yeah. That's so they're, it, they're, just, uh, they're in glass jars, but the, ra- the labels wrapped around them are all these bursting neon zigzag colours because it's so insane it can't just be strawberry that's ordinary jam like your mum has this is psycho strawberry and it also says here that coming soon there will be a totally new excellent tough toffee flavour too that's tough spelled T-U-F-F my friend well they've got the spelling going on there then spread them on your bread before someone else does. Hmm. <laughs> what, like your mum spread it on your bread for you? Yeah, I'm not threatened by that. No. I have a wonderful image in my head of a, of a youth coming home, spiky mohawk, like studded leather jacket, coming home at like 4 a.m. from a, a loud nights partying and coming home and, and their mom's like sitting up sick with worry and the youth sits down and spreads funky cola flavored jam over his toes. <laughs> Says I don't care. I don't care about your too rebellious. Your ways. Oh, mom. see, no, 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 no. no. The advert is the mom has the toast and the funky cola spread ready for him as her way of saying I may not understand your crazy rebellious ways, <laughs> but I accept them. Yeah, and then the music gets all nice and piano based. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. as he takes his piercings out or whatever, you know, it's you. Can, yeah. I'm pretty sure they made that ad for something, you know? That ad now, exists, see, your ad right? is a beautiful story, <laughs> but I feel it's not selling the youthful rebellion that this product is. No, that's true. Right. It's selling the product to parents to buy for kids, yeah. They accidentally gave it to the Werther's original people, and that's what came out. Yep. <laughs> Look at that mug, Dave. I'm drinking from my biggest mug to make David feel at home. That doesn't make me feel at home. I'm very threatened by that. That's enormous. <laughs> David's cut the corner off of a, a bag of crisps, and, and you know how the, the crumbs sort of yeah. all gather in the <laughs> yeah, bottom corner? Yeah, I've got the corners. bottom corner, yeah. That's his bag of <laughs> chips, and he's sort of spreading <laughs> butter across one of these little crumbs, and that's like a big piece of toast to him, and he's sort of having a nibble at it. Spreading some funky cola on there. No, what I'm spreading, I'm spreading the membrane off the top of some cola. <laughs> Onto it. But this is not just an advert, as we said. This is also a yeah. combo where you can win... Uh, what can you win? 100 complete rollerblading kits, including rollerblades, helmet, elbow and hey. knee pads, plus oh, 1,500 right. baseball caps. All right, that's not bad. That's a pretty good prize. The jars say instant win, so presumably it'll be tokens. Or... Yes, this isn't actually a combo at all. Sorry, this is an advert for a prize giveaway that the product is running. We're giving away 100 blah, 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 blah. But you'll have to get your hands on a jar of Chivers Bread Busters if you want to win by any one... So you just need a jar, so you just send the lid in or well, something. No, but you can see there, the, the thing is, it's a prize alert instant win, so it's going to be one of those things where you take the lid off and the thing's printed on the inside whether you've won or not. And if you lose, a snake jumps out and bites you in the face. <laughs> if she has it with... It wouldn't be a very good business model if you just buy a jar of jam and, and now win. you're entitled yeah. to <laughs> send it in. Well, what a bizarre food product that is so emblematic of the era. That is, yeah, and yet... Unremembered. Utterly. Even by the internet at large. Yeah. Control zone. So the first, uh, the first paragraph, nonsense. Yes, Megadroid has donned his robe and Santa, Santa hat beard. This issue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they've uh, they've they've uh, clip-arted the little Megadroid drawing again. He's got a beard and a Santa hat on, and and uh, yes, he says the countdown to Christmas starts here. I'm all dressed up and ready to party on down. Fine so young, far, young people. Yep, yep. The humes who think they're in charge will turn green with envy when they see me jiggle to jingle bells. That's if they're not whooping it up already. I don't understand why... If they're not whooping... Why would that change whether they're green? Oh, if they're already at the party. He's saying, I'm going to have a party, and the humes won't be. But if they are, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought that he meant that they would be jealous of his dancing skills. Yeah. Yeah, because he can do he can do a full pivot. Yeah, he can do a about the waist. Yeah, no problems. He can do the robot really well too. I feel that's the most polite boast I've ever heard. Like I'm gonna have a great party. <laughs> you're gonna be jealous of me unless you're also having a party. Unless you're also there already having fun. Yeah, it's like if Sonic was like I'm the fastest person alive. Unless you're also really fast, in which case we're probably like <laughs> about even. Yule. You'll have plenty of festive filled pages to keep you entertained during this holly day period. Oh my god, it's actually starting to get to overload already. I can't hack this. It, it's a bit much, this one. Not only is there knuckle dusting action in the homecoming, the chaotic screw come face of. Well, you'll find all this out as we go along, readers. Mm. They say what's going to be in it. Hoping. Right. Hoping to have. Now. Hoping to have Sega goodies in your stocking this crimbo. Take my advice. Butter up those adult humes and get them to enter STC's Coronation Street compo. 
And thus begins a campaign yes. to make any sense of why that compo is in this comic. You remember last issue, folks, when they trailed <laughs> that there was going to be this Christmas Coronation Street-themed compo, and we were mystified. Dave, <laughs> Dave almost to the point of anger yeah. <laughs> at the fact this was going to be in a comic. And thus begin the justifications, which we will come back to, yes. Plus, there's more to the Asteron star pinup than meets the mince pies. And oh, then they felt eyes. the need to ruin it by putting yeah. eyes in brackets right. afterwards meets the mince right. pies. See below. As 95 draws to a close, see the new year in with STC 68 in the company of your fave Sega superstars. Bigger and better things await in 96. So watch out. God, 95 almost over. I can't for flipping believe it. And I'm really uh-huh. starting to miss the old days of uh, Richard Burton's extremely good control zones. I don't think that they were very different. I think they were, because I've been listening to some of our old episodes and I'm like, oh, that's a good control zone. There's some good copy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, they did mention the Estron Badnik pinup, the latest in a run of rubbish Badnik pinups, which we'll come to in the centre pages. And it's here that they're almost, tr- again, they're trying to justify its very existence. Mm. What they suggest you actually do is cut the Asteron out of the pinup, yeah. stick it on some card and use it as a star for the top of your tree yeah it's, it's as if they gave away a tree topper but but they but didn't really i do wonder if they decided to use the asteron specifically because it was christmas because they could get Maybe. a christmas star gag in because they did pick the bat brain for halloween you know yeah yeah it's the closest you i can hardly believe they're gonna have the temerity to put this picture of an asteron forward under the name of pinup at all but like actually <sighs> if you actually did this it would not be a dreadful idea. That would be a decent use of a of a bit of STC. It does have the fold in halfway mm. down the top point of the star, but we'll we'll get to no, it. You're gluing it to cardboard. They're encouraging you're gluing you it to, glue car- it to yeah, card. Yeah, but it'll so have that's a, gonna, It's not so bad. It'll, be it'll right. have a visible line. It's not going to droop, but it's going to look wrong. Yeah, but but also you're a stupid child with fat <laughs> hands who can't use scissors, so it's not going to look good anyway. <laughs> the self-loathing in Chris's voice as he said that. <laughs> There's no nice, clean black line to even cut around. How's it going to look good? It's not going to look good. So here's how you do it. Well, narratively, and Dave, you're not opposed to a a little bit of um, alternate history with Christmas stories. Not at all. Are we meant to envision that Robotnik has sent a badnik to hover over Bethlehem to attack the (laughs) the Messiah? Oh, that's wicked, actually. Yes. Yes, we are. Now there's a Christmas song. He has to run past a, a past post and run fast enough to teleport. <laughs> <laughs> and the title of that story would be Bethlehem Bedlam Zone. There's a problem with that, which is the uh. word Bedlam is itself just the word Bethlehem mispronounced over oh, the decades. Yeah. Decades. <laughs> we, we used to call it oh, Bethlehem yeah, just a couple just of years back ago in the day, yeah. <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what you do is you cut it out. You glue it onto a piece of thin card. Three, you cut around the outline of the shape. Four, using a piece of string slash wire, attach the Astron to your Crimbo tree. Five, post a 24-hour guard round the tree. You know how dangerous these badniks are. I do like that last last one. Bit of flavour in there. Yeah, you got to put something in there. SCC's DIY decorations, it's easy when you know how. So, plenty of the denominational cheer we can usually expect from the control zone around this time of year. And there's a box at the bottom uh, encouraging children to remember uh, the seven principles of Kwanzaa. Unity, yes. self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. That's, That's the, the wiki that opens it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer, golf, cricket. Theme park. Top three on the Mega Drive. We've lost the war. 
It's gone. Uh, it's yeah. It's 1995. It's Christmas. The children they just want FIFA. No Sonic anywhere in the chart. Well, there hasn't been a new Sonic game all year. I don't care. I don't care. There are three Sonic games in the Master System. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, what right. else do they have? If that's the thing. They haven't had any new games at all, so they're still... Sonic labouring. Drift Racing? Yeah. Sonic Chaos? No, but I don't know. Just the fact that it's Christmas. This is the Christmas I got Sonic and Knuckles, and it didn't touch the charts. I don't know. It makes me unhappy. I guess everyone's already got them, and that's it then. Yeah, I can't remember. I always just I said last year I, I wanted Sonic and Knuckles for mm. Christmas 94, but... Mm. Uh, did not get it. And I can't remember what I did get for Christmas 95. Did you get Sonic and Knuckles? No, I never did get it. Never got it. Mm. Oh, you must have a go. It's good. I mean, I have since. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's this character named Knuckles they introduced. What? When? Imagine if the whole Knuckles was pink thing stems from the fact that Chris never played Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's ever been one of these where they're like, around Christmas time, it's like, oh, here's the whatever zone from this old game. Wouldn't that be a great Christmas present? Wink, wink. Go buy this old game. Yeah, like a retro adventure. I mean, I guess that was all of the Sonic the comic after a certain point. Mm, well, I mean, basically from here on, there isn't anything until Sonic 3D, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they do next Christmas. I wasn't around at that point. What? Are you a ghost? Sonic! <laughs> <laughs> The Return of Chaotix, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. One month after the defeat of the Brotherhood of Metallics, Sonic is present at Never Lake as the Miracle Planet reappears, and reunites with a surprisingly calm and collected Porker Lewis. Nearby, the Chaotix crew arrive on Mobius. Following the Brotherhood's trio, they have a run-in with some SBS troopers, but Sonic steps in to help take the bad mix out. The Hedgehog Hero informs the Chaotix that the Metallics's are history, but the Omni-Viewer then detects an energy field surrounding the Miracle Planet and dispels it, revealing that the little planet has been reshaped into a massive metal Metallics head. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Here we are now, four issues, two months on from where we left things at the end of the Brotherhood of Metallics story. Mm -hmm. The Miracle Planet reappears. In a lovely, a lovely first page. And Sonic's reaction to the Miracle Planet reappearing is to go, what the? And then Always bugged me since I was <laughs> yeah, a kid. Yeah, has it? Really? I love the little footnote saying, uh, the Miracle Planet returns once every month, you idiot yes, Sonic. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why is he surprised? What you're up here for. That's why you've come up to the lake. We're so shocked. I don't get it. I don't know why he's surprised to see this, because it says there... In the next panel. Can I say, I love how they colored in the clouds here. It's just mm. lovely. We're so lucky to have, have sort of advanced beyond four color. I mean, I guess this was still four color printing, Bye -bye. but what am I thinking of? Like the, the plate printing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ah, it's beautiful. No, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Elson, as ever, is on top form and he's got, he's given us this picture of, of Sonic and he's really worked hard on this picture of Sonic because it's Sonic yeah. from behind, but also at an angle. And that is difficult with the model sheets they've been given because you know we already know that when you draw sonic from behind or in front in those days what you had to do what the rule was is you had to have his spikes sticking out to the sides because of some attempt someone made to reconcile what he's supposed to look like from behind which then becomes the mandate and yeah. yet uh rich has, has sort of i love the shape of his top yeah. spine it's yeah look at them they're curving yeah he's found a sweeping, way yeah. to sort of flatten it curve it make it give, give us an impression of this is what we've been meaning by this back view of sonic all along 
And then he's looking up at, yeah, the miracle planet with, of course, at the end of the chain in the sky, surrounded by clouds, appearing as if by magic. Oh, and I never noticed this before, but the first panel, you see a sort of planet's eye view of the chain, and it just ends. Mm. So the chain is always visible, pointing up into the sky and then just ending. Obviously, we've seen that before. We but... saw it at the end of the previous uh, storyline, yeah, whenever the planet disappeared. But they were on it at the time, so I wasn't sure if that was like, that's what it looks like when you yourself are on it. Because really, you'd think that the chain might disappear or something like that. Mm. Well, we've previously addressed how this is nonsense. <laughs> because, you know, the point of the chain <laughs> is that Robotnik put it there to stop the Miracle Planet disappearing. Mm. And SDC has just sort of misinterpreted that. Even though even though it does open with this line here, you know, the Never Lake was one of the greatest uh, beauty spots on planet Mobius before Dr. Robotnik came along, that is, as if to say, yes, this big Robotnik face carved in the side of a mountain with a chain coming out of it is Robotnik's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well then what's the point of the chain if it doesn't stop a planet disappearing? Hmm. All science starts with false starts. You fail, you mm. screw up, you make mistakes, you're learning. Yes, there you go. This is just Dr. Robotnik in the process of learning. We rarely see his early attempts. That's right. He went, I'm going to try and chain this planet and we'll see if that stops it. Oh, it didn't. Okay, next thing. I feel like you'd at least have the chain smelted back down to make, make bad things out. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of metal in that chain. If people were meant to be perfect every time, we wouldn't have erasers. All right then. How about this? Here's what it is. Head cannon, right? Back when Sonic CD was happening, the chain used to get like there's a load more chain in the mountain, and the planet would like pull it in to get more metal to build Ooh. more machinery up there with i like this a lot that's really good right that's the source of the metal that the alpha device or whatever it was robotnik used would then turn into the raw materials for the stuff on the miracle planet you don't look convinced i reject it no because <laughs> the idea is it's supposed to be scary growing technology doesn't matter the metal just comes from somewhere else that's not uh. I was reading uh, Battle Angel Alita recently, and there's this floating city above a junkyard, yeah. DeForest, that's, like, fed by all these tubes from the ground. Yeah. And there's this wonderful scene where this guy's, like, trying to climb up it, oh. and all these robots are, like, destroying oh. him. I don't I don't know if you're going, uh, in recognition of the story arc. I'm going, uh, in fondness. Yeah. That's the manga I read as a teenager. That's expresses fondness. <laughs> I flipping love Battle Angel Alita. But when I first saw that, like, all I could think of was... Uh, what, what is it? Planet Freedom? No, Planet whatever. Miracle Planet. Miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Planet Freedom from the that other game. And and also from the Sonic movie. Also from Sonic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the real Sonic movie. Ogilvy by Ewan O'Leary, available now on YouTube. But uh, Sonic's <laughs> weird takes continue on onto the, sec- the, onto the next bit of the scene where he sees a little a silhouette of a figure coming down the chain and says, yeah. I wonder who the dude approaching is. And I'm like... Well, I bet you could make an educated guess, Sonic. So Sonic, right, Sonic, one month ago, one of his best friends got stuck by himself on this planet, which we interpreted at the time as a huge crisis for that person, and that you would think there would be a concentrated effort. I would have thought that we would have had a story where they tried to, you know, force the Miracle Planet to appear sooner somehow, to try and get Porker back, to try and rescue him. I'd have thought at the very least all of them might have turned out to welcome him back yeah. instead of Sonic just being there and going, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's completely forgotten. <laughs> and like, okay, that actually does tie into like the Porker's future story quite well. But it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, because he hasn't or anything. It's just, it's just the strangest staging. Hmm. 
But it is Porker who's coming down the chain and Sonic's all, oh, welcome back, we were worried about you. But Porker, Porker's all. There was no need, as you can see. I am fine. I'm quite unharmed. Everything is fine, Sonic. <laughs> it's like, well, something's up there. Oh, mm. Everything is fine, and you shouldn't be concerned. I think it would have been great if uh, instead of having Sonic on the back of his leather jacket, he now had Metal Sonic. <laughs> yes, that'd be ace. give the game away slightly, <laughs> wouldn't it? He was there for a month. He had to change his clothes eventually. <laughs> yeah. And all he did was he sewed a patch on. <laughs> But the Miracle Planet isn't the only thing entering Mobius from another dimension today. And we get the Omni Viewer again. Mm. Weirdly, they don't make anything of Sonic sort of reuniting with the Omni Viewer for the first time since issue number eight. No, the that's right. 60 issues. No, because we're distracted by the fact that, uh, which I frankly had forgotten, that he hasn't met Chaotix yet, has he? You do kind of forget that, right? I feel like I remember not properly grasping that even when I read the comic back at the time, you know? Yeah. This is his, his first meeting with with these guys who have only appeared in one story before now. And that was a Knuckles story. And so, yeah, yeah. We, we've accepted these guys as the new people Part in of the STC. Universe, yeah. But yeah, no, Sonic hasn't met them, and it's a, it's there isn't a big meeting scene really. Well, so mm. first of all, we get a good three pages of them just beating up troopers, and it's pretty cool. Good fight scene too, mm. isn't it? So w- would you say it's Knuckles is chaotic? Sonic is just meeting them. That's that is the context in which we've met them. Yeah. There is little friends. Yes. Why do they keep giving Knuckles little friends? We just want <laughs> Knuckles. I don't think they'd ever play them as that again, weirdly. No, think about it. I'm sure they must yeah. have team-ups with Knuckles again in the future, but but they never really... Yeah, they don't play them as Knuckles' side characters. They're just part of the world of Sonic and Mobius See, henceforth. In, in STC, that makes sense, because that they were just introduced in a Knuckles strip, and that happened because yeah. it was a Knuckles well, game. Because they were Knuckles games. But it is but... odd that in the games, they're not thought of as Knuckles characters either. They're just Well, it's like, there. it's like we were chatting about before, like, the game is called Knuckles Chaotix, Knuckles Chaotix. but we were still trying, I mean, we were wondering at the time, and I haven't done any further research no. to confirm it one way or the other, whether or not Chaotix was ever intended to be the name of the group, mm. as if this was a group which Knuckles was the owner of, leader of, you know, Knuckles Chaotix, in the same way it's Captain America's Avengers or whatever. Yeah, you know? like, are these his mates? Uh, have they even mentioned in the course of this trip that they're like, oh yeah, we know your mate Knuckles, I don't know if that ever <laughs> becomes a sort of exchange, I'm sure it must. It would have been really funny if they implied that he uh, tried to give himself a cool nickname <laughs> around them, and they're like, oh yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Dirk Steele. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Oh, you met Charlie. You met old Curly. Was. You met Red. Yeah, oh, you mean Dirk Steele? <laughs> no, but it's just a good uh, action scene, and it mighty get in lots of uh, big action panels, big punches. Mm-hmm. They're SBS guys, so they have. Well, this one guy in particular who's like a dude with a tank for legs. Yeah, and and he's got cannons, but his cannons shoot. Stone balls? Oh, yeah. Well, cannonballs. Well, yeah, but they're not... But, oh, yes, cannonballs are a thing that cannons shoot. But <laughs> these are big mechanical cannons with pneumatic coils coming off them. Yeah, they look like kind of grenade launchers, but they're shooting cannonballs, essentially. Yeah, shooting it is a big odd. marbles, yeah, big bowling balls. Yeah, it's, no, but this guy, yeah, imagine him like imagine like a trooper leaning over with his fists out in front of him, and then behind him, his body is just this tank. <laughs> it's really cool. Does he transform? He's sort of like a combination of the uh, gun tank and the gun cannon from uh, Gundam. From Gundam. I do like um, SBO's spinning top move. It's mm-hmm. like, I, this could be the only time I ever remember him doing this, but it is, you know, that's what he does in the game. His, his spinning oh. attack is he, he does a little tornado type move. 
it's great because it adds a little bit of character to Estia, yeah. who we've talked about being as being like the one who doesn't have anything. Vector's the leader, Mighty's yeah. the muscle, the tough mm. guy, the Ben Grimm, Charmy's the little annoying guy, and Espio is the other one. The ninja. I think of him as the stoic. Um, yes, I I do mm, now. I've come yeah. to accept him as being the serious one. But yeah. but mainly the main thing, the main thing that Espio does is disparage Charmy <laughs> up to this point incorporating and I'm not even joking when I say that like taking the Knuckles chaotic story and with this you know Vector orders Charmy to draw the badniks fire so they can regroup and he goes righty diddly do and, and Espio just thinks to himself with any luck they'll hit him and that seems to be like S. I don't know if that was something Kitching was writing as a trait of Espio's that sort of mutated over time and just became the agreed on thing mm. about the group Charmy was the Colin Robinson of the group just the one that everybody else absolutely hates <laughs> but right now it's like the only thing SBO has going but yeah I, I feel like I kind of interpret him as the stoic one but I feel like that's colored by my later knowledge that he's played in modern sonic media as a ninja and therefore has that air of cool detached stoicism yeah you know that stereotype yeah Talking of uh, their powers and their personalities and stuff, you know, you were both practically adults by the time you were reading this comic, so maybe you were coming at, at a different... All of 13. Yeah. You were old enough to work in a mine <laughs> yeah. in the north yeah. of England, I believe, yeah. as I understand the history of your That's your right, region. and we both did. Yes. <laughs> and you read it by the light of your little helmet. That's right. <laughs> but doesn't Elson render the attack great? I love his second drawing of it, where he's... Something about the way, the shape that he's used for this top going off. It, it just feels so billowy. It feels like you want to squeeze it. it. It's just right. It's great. It's a proper Tasmanian devil spin. Yeah. But the twist he's put on it is that SBO's nose horn yes. sticks out of the tornado and, and whirls around it at the top. His like, little nose. It, almost like a bladed weapon, you know. I, I feel like maybe that's what he's hitting them with. Yeah, I always have trouble seeing the horn as not his nose you know yeah. and as a result of that i'm always annoyed that is that it's situated too high up his face it's like no his nose would be a bit down there <laughs> but it's not his nose well <laughs> i mean we got we got very lucky in stc in as much as we had good artists who knew how to draw these characters yeah i mean you want to see i don't some know what you're the, insinuating there. i think you do <laughs> you want to see some of the nightmarish renditions of espio and where his horn lives uh, in Archie, and you're Googling it right now. I am Googling it right now. <laughs> I don't remember this. So I th was going to say that my search was futile because, you know, in latter Archie, there were, in fact, good sure, artists, yeah. and, it, and it ended up being quite a good comic. But uh, no, I found one. I found this one. Is this what you were talking about? That's not even the worst. Oh, no. that's so much better than even I can... Uh, hang on, let me... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am... I, I, I genuinely can't imagine what would be worse than the one I just posted. In which he has a, he seems to have a little beard so maybe that's not Espio and it's an Espio with a beard. What? Well, well, for one, he's wearing two-tone shoes and therefore he's great. Uh, for two, like I, I read through the whole Archie series a couple years ago and this looks fine to me because <laughs> yeah, every, far from the, the comic reached such depths. It's so, so this is like, oh, it was a good week. Oh my god, okay. Here, try this one. Okay. <laughs> The trepidation in your voice makes me very happy. Okay. I enjoy causing you pain. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> or how about this one? <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> 
How did you just have those on hand? I have just Googled the words Pender's Espio. Of course, Pender's, of course. Hang on, and of course, this isn't so much about the Espio, it's just the whole experience of it. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Join us at Knuckles next month and learn about my special friend. It's not who you may think. It's a date. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> I like Mighty's expression in that. It's just on top of the world. Anyway, back to this. So back to this. <laughs> so, so I don't know why you say Espio doesn't have a personality. He spins. <laughs> so does everybody in a Sonic game, except for Charmy. He spins in the other axis. He, That's he's true. Going the other way, yeah. For a Sonic game, it's quite revolutionary. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and then Flipping Sonic turns up. There they are having their fight. Mighty punching guys into bits. You know, look at that, look at that shot where my, the, the, I love that yeah. monochrome yellow background where on the panel where Mighty punches oh, the bad well to bits and Vector goes sort of flying away in the distance because he's biting on its arm. Vector's been biting on it, but biting on a tank is not how you defeat a tank. So he's like, this isn't working. No, you punch it, obviously. You Yeah, punching a tank <laughs> is what you do to a tank. So Mighty punches it, it goes to bits, but a couple of the troopers have run away and SBO's like, well, the others are getting Anyway, so I don't know what you're so excited about. And then Badok Badak, they're taken out by a speeding Sonic, who shows up and goes, Sonic the Hedgehog at your service. Badnik's trashed while you wait. And that's it. That is the introduction of Sonic the Hedgehog to the Chaotix. I like that Vector's response is to say, it's a great honor to meet you. Because mm. you don't get, I mean, guest characters tend to say things like that about Sonic. Yeah. But like regular, well, I suppose the only other guy I'm really thinking of is Knuckles. It's like we're kind of at a point where like nobody really gets on with Sonic, <laughs> and just our knowledge of the fact that these guys are real characters from a game and not made up fakey yeah. fakes from a comic, actually yeah. showing up and being all right, all right fair enough. You're the you're that big noise. It's nice to meet you, and not and not being like get a load of this guy because <laughs> the Omni viewer has told yes. him has told them about Sonic. Omni viewer has been bigging up the legend of Sonic behind the scenes. That's nice, isn't it? So Vector says this very formal, it's a great honor to meet you. Yeah. And like his thing is he's got like the Walkman all the time, which I always yeah. think of as like, oh, he's, he's a he's a hip teen. Whereas that's a very sort of mature way to talk. And like later he's a detective. <laughs> Seven ages of man. So I'm wondering if he and Amy just both have aged up sort of over the franchise or like, is he meant to be like 30 here as well? And he's just like kind of suspended and living with a bunch of teenagers. Just hanging out with his Walkman, trying to grasp onto his fading youth. We think of these guys as adults because they've got in jobs. Yeah, they're jaded. <laughs> they're not friends. They're workplace associates. Mm. On his headphones, he's listening to Charles Mingus Jazz. I guess it makes Vector the head of the office, as it were. The office manager who just yeah. tolerates them. Team Dad. I, you know, I put forth a, a theory on a, a thing I was on recently that all shows are at their core a family sitcom, mm. but like this is so many sort of disconnected groups because, you know, they're, they're promoting different games, different sort of series almost with the Chaotix. So like the Chaotix are like a, like a competing family. They're like the neighbor family. This is almost like a crossover episode. Yeah. It's like, you know, we've had these yeah. guys from Knuckles' thing over here and now they're meeting Sonic for the first time and they're not... Yeah, that, that, they, that's why I guess it is so unusual that we have this interaction where they're like, oh, pleased to meet you. Yes, it's a great honor. Yes, yes. <laughs> instead of, instead of, there's no bounce. Yeah. It's like the Jeffersons moved back to Queens. <laughs> and there would be a moment in which 
the Omni viewer goes, "Hey, Sonic, because uh, I'm in, I talk like this again." Hey, dude. what's up, man? <laughs> because that's how he talks to Sonic, and <laughs> not to anyone else. No, no, but he's with the workplace associates. He's got to keep it professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the discussion is interrupted because the Omni viewer notices that actually the miracle planet we're looking at is just a holographic projection of what we think the miracle planet should look like, and he dissipates it. And yeah, underneath it. Is just it's a planet of Metallic's head, and it's that's so daft and brilliant, and yeah. I flipping love it but so there's, much. There's no reason it couldn't just be metal again, but yeah, that wouldn't be anywhere near as thrilling a cliffhanger no. because we've seen that. So of course, what the Metallics did is that they didn't just yeah. turn it metal again; they turned it into a big one of their heads. Of course, they did because this is a comic. Yes. I love that, like, when Robotnik makes a death egg, he puts his face on it because he is... <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> because because he's this narcissist. He's this maniac who's trying to take over the world. And then the, these guys are just like, oh, yeah, no, it turns out everyone does. If anyone ever has a big round thing, they make it into their own head. <laughs> I, You know, we don't yet know that the, it's definitely the Brotherhood of Metallics did it. Like, like there no. might have been Porker Lewis got bored and he, he did it in homage to his pal Sonic. Because yeah. he's clearly unharmed, as you can see. He's fine. Everything's yeah. fine, Dave. I don't know why you're so worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's meant to be Sonic, but because it's made of metal, it just looks like metal Sonic. It it would have to be surreal, you know. Like your enemy builds a, a Death Star in the shape of his face, yeah. and tries to destroy the planet. Like that's fine. That's normal, <laughs> I guess, to Sonic. But like, if if I was Sonic the Hedgehog and I woke up one morning and I was like a giant effigy of my face <laughs> has just destroyed a city, has replaced the moon. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to move. I'd be too confused. <laughs> Everyone too looks upset. up this guy. It starts trending. You know, ju- the moon is now a giant face of Abby Denton from Twitter. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I genuinely sort of never even. I don't even think of it as Sonic's head. You know? No, same. I mean, I mean you're completely right. You're completely right. That is absolutely it's a talking only point. Only now in this conversation yeah, that I recognise there's even a similarity between what this is and Sonic's head. Because no, because it's Metallic's metal head. Sonic. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. our hope. It's, it's not. It's, no, it's not metal Sonic's head. It's I'm so Metallic's sorry, Chris. head. You know, but, but no, but that's what I'm saying. It's because it's not. We don't even think of him as you know metal yeah. Sonic. He's he's his own yeah. thing almost. You know. This looks bad, says SPO. It doesn't. It looks wicked. Next issue in need of a miracle. A Christmas miracle. We don't know. As readers, at this point, 13 years old, in 1995, that what we have just read is the first part of what will be the longest multi-part Sonic serial, all one title, one big story from start to finish. But it is. Oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) I mean, yes, you know, Sonic and Knuckles lasted seven issues, but it was three smaller serials back to back. This is one six-part serial. Oh, Return of Chaotix parts one through six, which of course is, is a perfectly stuff. normal length of time for a serial to last in the pages of Sonic the Comic. Yeah. And just, uh, just they just never done it on on uh, Sonic before. I know you don't like to spoil the next issue, but it's funny that you know it must have been a timing problem because this was the Christmas issue, but then in the next issue the Sonic face starts talking and it says, "Hark, I bring you good news of great joy to all people," <laughs> and that's the miracle that they're talking about at the end is the coming yeah. of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. In a way, in, in a manger. The humblest place for the king of all men. I can't think of any good Sonic Christmas puns. No! Why not? That's because it's a solemn occasion. It's it's about a, a <laughs> blessing we received. That's probably it, you know. 
Sonic Hedge Hedgehog Hog. Deck the hogs. No, that's not good. How dare you? Grotto Zone. The Grotto Graphic Zone. Yeah. It's Christmas, so you know what it means. Yes. Getting all festive. The kids have been sending in pictures of Sonic as Christmas stuff. I thought you were just going to say Sonic as Christmas, and that's not an inaccurate description yep. of what's going yep. on here. Sonic as Christmas. But the first one is from Now Familiar, from yeah. Jessica Badkin. <laughs> hey, our old friend Jess. We've had, what, two pictures um, published so far, yeah, at this, this point? Is- this is the third, and the previous two were Garfield <laughs> that she'd redrawn. And so's this. Is it? See, when I looked at this, I was like, ah, the first one that isn't a Garfield. But it, what is the Garfield that this is? The picture is of Knuckles holding a length of hose, yeah, and he has sprayed water from the hose, and he has frozen an, a grumpy-looking Sonic inside yep. a large cube of ice a big ice cube a perfect cube that he formed with a hose <laughs> yes. yeah i know yeah but i am sure i remember the garfield image of garfield being the one holding the hose and like like yeah. Odie being the one Odie inside is. the ice block well what jess has done this time is she has there's no stylistic sign of garfield mm. left in this one this is purely a sonic and purely a knuckles so she's obviously you know it's the it's the layout of the picture that she's got inspiration. Yes. She, I wonder if she did them. I'll have to ask if she just did them all in a block. Like, did she send them an envelope full of like ten Garfield drawings, and was that the gimmick that she thought she was doing, or did she just was she obsessed with just drawing redrawing Garfield pictures as stuff and sending it into places? That's my bet. It's interesting because she adapted it very well to the mm. the visuals of Knuckles. Like mm-hmm. like you know very his face well. doesn't really. It, it's got the sort of the half lid mm. that Garfield would do a lot. Sure, but otherwise, but... it's a very the only real holdover from the Garfield drawing is he's got this huge Garfield gut, which is now <laughs> for me canon to the character. It doesn't look too unlike Knuckles. Well, no. it looks a lot like me post COVID, but. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what made me think this one wasn't a Garfield drawing. Mm-hmm. It was that um, in the ice cap zone, Sonic does get trapped in ice cubes. Yeah, but of course, yeah. they don't look like this. And if you were drawing a, a fan art, you'd, you'd draw the kind of ice cube it is, which is much more square, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. But it's still a very nice drawing. And, it's um, great. I mean, much as we were loath to admit it, our, the way we were able to previously identify... What was the last <laughs> one? It was Knuckles windsurfing, wasn't so, it? Yeah. It was because he had big, nasty, naked Garfield feet. Yes. <laughs> and they are both characters are fully shooed and socked sure in, this, uh, in, in this drawing. So that is not the tale. I just, I just, I'm, I'm almost certain I recognize the. Image. I mean, I, I realize the Sonic has to be freehand, but I do like to imagine in this plagiarized picture, Odie had his arms crossed and was tapping his <laughs> foot like Sonic. What's your favorite uh, Odie line from the Garfield cartoon? Mine's uh, "Gotta go fast, bud." <laughs> <laughs> Over to the right, Tanya Vaughn has drawn. It's one of those ones it's one sonic, of those sonic the christmas pudding it's just a christmas pudding with sonic's head on the top and sonic's legs poking out the bottom and a big sprig yes. of holly on top of sonic's head too. yes and oh i see she's kind of colored the top spike red mm. as if it was the berry on the holly 
But I thought oh. he had a little gnome hat on or something. I, I, that's what I believe it is. I choose little... to believe that within this world where Sonic has dressed in... That's one of those big inflatable dinosaur-style costumes. He's in a big yeah. inflatable Christmas pood, and he's got a yeah. little dunce cap pixie hat on his top spike with Holly on there to complete the look. That's his costume for Christmas. Coincidentally, Dave has been recording this whole podcast in the same <laughs> <Yeah>. outfit <laughs> with a tiny little Christmas pudding suit and a, a little gnome hat with sprigs of Holly coming That's out. right. Thomas Martins is the purest possible 1995 childhood drawing, in my opinion. Look at this. This is yeah. so. This is drawn. This is drawn by a child caught between two worlds, between two ages, represented in the drawing. So on the one hand, he's too old for Santa stuff, right? So here is Sonic dressed as Santa, going ho ho with a sack. He's got a little smile on his face. He's got a beard, but it doesn't cover up his face. He's got the Santa outfit. He's got the hat. Uh, he seems to have run out his red pen on the outfit because the hat is done in the orange, but mm. whatever. But he's visiting Tails. In Tails is asleep in bed. He's got the cover pulled up. Well, to he's the, you know, meant to be asleep in bed. He's wearing a kind of a bed suit because his, his feet are poking out. Yeah. He's standing up wearing a bed as a suit. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's an his issue perspective with the perspective. Is, the bed, is, yes. uh, <laughs> needs work. Yeah. But that's the thing. So Sonic... These are the two worlds, right? Sonic, happy to hand down the purity of Santa to a younger child, giving Santa like a gift to those younger than him, represented here by Tails. So he's like the snark of Sonic. He's playing a cheerful prank on Tails. He's dressing up, he's fooling him into thinking Santa is here. But Thomas Martin, the author of this drawing, betrays himself. The gentle smile of Sonic in his Santa outfit, the wide-eyed excitement of Tails peeping out from under the duvet. Tails is crying out, Santa, this is all so pure, and it can only have come from a kid who shares that fundamental view of Christmas, that one eye must be kept open in case he comes, and if he does, all you'd be able to do would be to shout, Santa, because you're so excited. It's pure glee, it's pure innocence, and it's Sonic and Tails, so it's pure 1995 joy to the world thomas martin has given us the purest 1995 childhood drawing there can be santa visiting a child and it's sonic and tails yes so when as a child yes. when you think santa claus dave cover your ears okay when you think santa claus is real when you see like cartoon characters dressed as santa for like yeah. marketing material mm. for christmas like, do you just think there's also santa sitting here looking at that and being like why are they lampooning me <laughs> Like, this is weird. Why are all of these people pretending to be... I'll get my revenge! <laughs> They're just his helpers. They're just like all those other guys who dress up like Santa in, in shopping centers and, and the like. They're franchisees. Well, you know, I would be very upset if there were people in every shopping center dressed as me. They're all <laughs> legally deputized, Abby. Jesus Christ, do you think they're just yeah. copping his image for, like, personal gain? You think there isn't a rigorous amount of forms yeah. those dudes have to fill and each one be individually deputized vetted by Santa himself. I am appalled that you would think the good name of Claus would be so yeah. solid by such crash commercialism. Look, when I opened up Abby Denton for Children, I had to review the work history of over 18 winos that I met in a parking lot. That's what I'm saying. And you think Santa can't? He's magic. He could do it all around the world. <laughs> and they're now dressed as Abby Dentons in every town. I trained them in my special je ne sais quoi. This is actually secretly <laughs> your first time on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, tell me this, just because you're talking Hello. about the wonderful innocence of childhood and Santa sure, yeah. and everything since it's Christmas. Um, when you were a kid, mm. did you ever, like, 
swear that you heard Santa or have any like close Santa encounters or anything like that. You know the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? I do, I do. I would no, swear I blind so. one time I heard a ho 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 echo up from uh, here today. Now I would, you know, I'd swear to God it was real and really happened. Yeah. But who knows? <laughs> no, I never did. Part of the law of Santa in our house, and presumably in many other houses, but but I believed this wholeheartedly. Was that if you ever laid eyes on him, you'd turn into a pillar of salt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was that... So Santa, you can't... There isn't time to go round the whole world in one night. It's done partly by magic, and yeah. that magic is triggered by the child falling asleep. You uh... cannot... You will never see Santa, because he literally only comes when you're asleep not by not because he's sneaking around until you fall asleep that's when he can come he can only manifest then so yeah no i um that i've added on to that there they the, all it was was like oh he only comes when you're asleep yeah but you've built the lore that was how i interpreted it. you've that, built yeah. the low fantasy that santa can only exist when not perceived <laughs> And the thing is, no, my parents would never never dare to, you know, jingle a bell or do a little ho-ho under their breath because that would then wake me up. I'd be mm. up and about then. I'd be Maybe excited. Your and spidey sense would go off with yeah. even the slightest provocation. In my house, we were told that Santa never comes when a child's awake because uh, he hates children and he only does this <laughs> as a kind of work release program. <laughs> Which is also uh, my feelings about children for the uh, Abby Denton for Tots program. Is, uh... <laughs> what do, what does Abby Denton for Tots do for Tots exactly? Like, what are these deputies you're sending around the world? What specifically is their job? <laughs> What do they do that you can't do locally? She's building to something. Hold on. <laughs> she's thought up something terrible that we're not going to be able to include in the podcast. And she's laughing too hard at it. And now she's going to tell us it. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mainly crimes. <laughs> <laughs> what do we reckon Reese Jones from Whitwell and the Isle of Wight has drawn here? Well, no, exactly, yeah. Because at first glance, you think it's girl knuckles, don't you? Exactly, but because is it? he's drawn knuckles with eyelashes, eyelashes. and a bow. Uh, which is, which is, and the bow is made of holly. Uh, but that's the thing. It affects, it's a sprig of holly with two leaves and, and berries, but it affects his silhouette the, the way a bow, a bow would. And it, it occurs it to me that, in fact, Abby, you were last on when we had the girl one graphic zone. Oh, oh, yes. So yes. it is an inescapable, an inexorable pool of the symptoms of being a woman are all over this drawing of knuckles. <laughs> he's got a bad case. He's come down. But the thing is, it's not. So he's got the eyelashes. He's got what reads as a bow, but is not. Mm-hmm. He's not even pink. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be red. Well, well, he's not quite the same shade of red as his trainers, it doesn't look like. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no, I don't know. I think it might but be. But yeah, it, it might just be the, yes, that he's coloured it with a looser hand than the smaller area of the trainer. He's not the same shade of red as the berries. No, but that's then, true. But, but mm, they're, they're, they seem to like they've been done in pen. Have they been done with pen? Has been done in pencil. Now, you're saying, but no, to cut to the meat of this illustration... Your position then is that this is not girl knuckles because the character in question is holding a package with a tag on it that says knuckles. Yes, but you do, don't you? That's what you do to the presents that have your name on. You you hold them and then you unwrap them and then you own them. <laughs> or is it girl knuckles? Yeah. With a present that a is present. going to give to man knuckles. Yeah. Adding another bit of confusion, it doesn't say knuckles. It says knuckles. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there you go. That's their name. Oh, Reese Jones. <laughs> I have a theory. I have a theory What's about what the happened. Theory? And well, we, we were arguing about whether the the shoes were in the same color as the, the yeah. large spaces of Knuckles' body because it's drawn with a much looser yeah. hand mm. on most of Knuckles' body. And so I think what happened, just based on the silhouette and everything, that Reese Jones started to draw this last December for the <laughs> the girl issue, yes, where everyone was a girl, and then was late for it, and then was yes. like, you know, hang on, how can I repurpose this drawing? And and it took a year for Reese Jones to color in the whole drawing of Knuckles. You know what? You know what? Uh, by that time, you're you're back. joking, you know but what? Dave and I have both just looked at this and we're like. <laughs> You're actually right because this yeah. this holly bow yeah. has been drawn on after the fact over the top of the of the knuckles because you can see the line of the curve of his head and the shading of the red pencil underneath it's the green. It's being incorporated as the like the vein down the middle of the leaf, and that's why it's in yeah. such a heavy hand of pen, the green. It's to cover up the red pencil that already existed. He has, in fact, repurposed <laughs> this drawing. <laughs> Which is interesting because I, I actually, the best part of it is how the, the, the red under the green is sort of shaded it and it, it gives it a real 3D sort yeah. of feeling. It's a texture. I like it. Yeah. That's actually fascinating. The it's good. But then, but then the, the present seems to be original, so I don't mm. quite know what's going on there. Yes, it is. I think mm. it probably was. A, well, I suppose it could have been for Valentine's. Oh, Could have been. I adore this one. Oh, it's great. By Hon Tung from yes. Salford, which is like a little... Just it's like a little South Park tails. He's got a little beaver tail. That's a sack. Ew. <laughs> it's a sack of toys, Abby. It's a Santa Tails dragging up a, a sack of toys that says toys on it, but we can only see T O. Mm. And but he's drawn in the biggest, chunkiest shapes possible. Mm. It's like a Duplo version of him or something. <laughs> yeah. It's lovely. And he's got these big eyes. I, I was you said South Park. I was gonna say Penny Crayon. Well yeah, I could see that too. Yeah. Is that what Penny Crayon looks like? No, not really, but it's that it's that attitude of big shapes. Yes, it's just nice, isn't it? Put together in a way that clearly shows no knowledge of how to do so, like he's drawing tails his head <laughs> and then the hat is just sort of behind his head rather than on top of it and he seems sure. like he has a santa beard but he's colored the santa beard in gray instead of white like all the other white parts of the yeah. thing and everything but i don't care it's it's no oh. it's adorable and i love it it's really it's cool. interesting to look at this from the context of dave's argument about uh sonic sort of bringing the joy of santa to the younger kid who still believes in santa mm. claus sorry dave That's right. who still has faith in the real santa claus who exists uh, whereas this is a much, like in the earlier one, Tails looks haunted, like <laughs> as if he's he's just now encountering the truth from recognizing his friend dressed in the visage of this non-existent being. Sorry, again. Whereas this is a much more innocent looking Tails who has lost his childhood innocence. So it, in a way, it's like a blending of the real and fake. Now that we've already skipped back to the Thomas Martin picture, can I just ask, is anyone able to work out what is poking out of the stocking on the cupboard? I feel like it's supposed to be a train. Oh, yeah. It's a statue of the Virgin Mary <laughs> with her hair sort of blowing in the wind and an arm outstretched yes. saying, come confess your sins you will be forgiven it's one of those two and i think it's the one that's a train <laughs> yes i don't see why <laughs> jason dudley from sutton and surrey has done santa robotnik yeah uh, good... not a lot go it's fine big he's frightening got santa face hat on, on he's got uh, i think the most dif distinguishing feature of this one is that he's put a, a pair of um bells, washing up gloves. A, pair, a pair of jingle bells oh yeah and his, his, his gloves are colored yellow instead of gray <laughs> for some reason he's got his marigolds on yeah, but, oh, that's what it is. I thought it was a little hat 
that I couldn't work out that like you know like a little German hat. You know what this drawing is? It's a putting a hat, hat on, on a hat. hat. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, that's what I thought it was. So I'm glad you've now set me right. No, they are of course a pair of jingle bells dangling under the holly sprig that apparently we all wear on our heads at Christmas. Apparently um, so, yeah. No less than three thing, of but... the seven pictures on here of people with holly on their heads. That's so everywhere you go, you can just make out with people. Yeah, so evidently that's what you do. There are also, sorry, I, I'm all over the place with this one. Reese Jones's girl knuckles slash Christmas knuckles does have little stars on the metal plates on top of his shoes. And I, I, I don't know what that tells us about what. You know what that's I mean? That's a the, unique character trait. That's a girl knuckles element. That's it. It doesn't. That's not girl. It's not Christmas. I don't know what it is. Because they're not coloured in. They're just metal. Colored. No, they're just there. They're just part of it. So do we think that girl knuckles was submitted by the late Griff Reese Jones under a pseudonym of <laughs> Reese Jones? Yes. While I he was so, yes. serving on a last Smith and Jones, or perhaps he was. He already had an OBE and was serving in politics at that point. I don't know. Uh, no, he was a little boy and uh, sent in a picture of knuckles <laughs> to Sonic the Comic. He's had quite a life. And finally, the Angel Ogilvy. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> the Archangel Ogilvy. This is uh, Christopher Stock of Benfleet, Essex, pushing his way through all the bends that they have in Essex. We have a Christopher who has sent in a drawing of Sonic. As an angel. He's died. Yeah, so, yeah, Sonic has died. He's lost his last ring, and now it's over his head. I was going to say, he's got one ring. <laughs> and his hands are clasped together in prayer to the Lord. Yep. As should all ours be. That's what the rings are. They're the halos of all of the angels that have been killed. <laughs> and their halos end up on Mobius. <laughs> that was how the ROCC worked. Dr. Kinterbor had to siphon the energy of angels. He had to kill all of the angels of heaven to suck in their rings. Heavenly energy. This is such a 2000 AD premise. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like I want to get off this page now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the next one's tremendous. So let's go. Oh, God. Compo. The Coronation Street Crimbo Compo. E-by-ek. It starts out. Celebrating yeah. its 35th anniversary. I seem to remember they mentioned that last issue. That feels almost quaint now to think Coronation Street was only <laughs> yeah. 35 years old at the time. Britain's best known street crosses STC's path with a glittering prize giveaway. You can win 15, I assume it means one of 15, street talk tips. Mm. Listen to the side-splittingly funny and revealing life stories of Reg, Raquel, Jack and Vera, which are, I, I guess, audio cassettes. They're called in their own words. Yeah, so I guess they're like audio books or. It, what it'll be is it'll be a. Somebody will have written, you know, them talking about their lives, and they'll have got the actors in for half an hour to record a little. Well, I, rem I remember my life on the street when I was just a baby, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then they'll recap their adventures so far in Coronation Street, that famously adventurous TV series. Yeah, that really. Do you, Abby D. Yes. Despite your accent, I know you have a deep understanding of British culture. That's not a joke. She actually does. Oh, I try to give that impression. Does it stretch as far as Coronation Street? I've never actually watched any of the big English soaps because mm. I am literate yes. and I, I find <laughs> other things to do in the daytime, such as a job. <laughs> oh, 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 Bettering myself two, as a person. Two hammer blow dunks La there on the viewership of soap operas in the UK. <laughs> okay, look, I understand Coronation Street is set in South 
or or sort of a, a fictional representation of Salford. I understand that, that uh, people from the north derive a great deal of pride mm. from their association with Coronation Street. Especially Hon Tung, who's drawn tales as a Santa. Because they can't associate themselves with the works of the Bronte sisters, because they don't know who they are. <laughs> and if they did, they'd just sort of look at the book and <laughs> use it to make a fire. <laughs> And you can also win 30 Jack and Vera shirts. <laughs> Coronation Street Artists is a soap opera, but don't oh, imagine. Yes, we should probably tell them. They're not we? like they're not like the American soap operas where it's all evil twins uh, all and cursed strange. gems and uh, no. land property deals. It's a quite down to earth. The definition of quaint is Coronation Street. They're not all the soap operas like EastEnders. That that's kind of like a sort of like a gritty drama. Well, it fancies itself as that. Whereas Coronation Street is like washing up powder and cobbles and <laughs> gutters and it's like what your nan watches it's this sweet little program about the people who live on this road and the little dramas in their lives and they that's what it and it goes on and on and on forever and it's quite light-hearted and it's quite it's still funny. running today you know this is its 35th yeah. anniversary 25 years ago so you know so based on this description you may well ask yourself what on god's earth yes is there a competition for tapes and shirts from this program doing an STC? How do they justify that, Chris? And we had a sort of a, a, a hint towards it there in the control zone. And after it tells us you can also win 30 Jack and Vera shirts, it says, So get in the good books of an ancient adult Hume by wafting this page in front of their face now. It may well persuade them to get you that new Sega system or game you've had your eye on. And there we so go. So they're in full admission yeah. of the fact that this is nonsense, yeah. has no place in this comic for children, yeah. and are trying to reframe the competition as something to convince your parents to enter for their own benefit instead. So that as a reward for introducing them to the thing that got them either a t-shirt or a tape, they'll buy you a Mega Drive or mm. a Saturn. They've been given this competition by outside forces unknown. Yes, they've they identified have. that it is completely incompatible with their magazine and they've turned that into a feature of the feature. You've got to give them credit for that, I suppose. It's interesting that this is one of those competitions that, unlike some of the ones we've seen recently where you do send your answers into STC itself. So this is stuff that's been sent to the offices and they've, they've won themselves lumbered. You know, th this isn't ITV bought a page in the comic mm. to do this comp. Yeah. This is like ITV sent this stuff to Fleetway and they were like, make something of that, chuckles. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they put it in STC Beat of all that, places. Beat that, you little trout sniffer. It, it was sort of an interesting cross-promotion, though, because there was that famous episode, you've probably seen like the meme clips where... Um, oh, yeah. Someone Go goes into like the cafe owned by I think Roy Cropper. They say Roy. And, uh, go on, go on, no, go on. Uh, an older woman, I think her name is Maud, comes in. And go she's on. like, "Have you seen? Have you seen uh, the new fella moved in up road?" Because that's how they they talk in the north. It is um, funny, fellow. He's very big and he has a bushy orange mustache. And then the whole episode sort of is building up, and they go to his house, and it's it's Doctor Robotnik, and he's built a machine for um for killing angels. <laughs> <laughs> for drawing coal up from the ground without needing a human miner and they're all like that'll put us all out of work and then they they fought him 
and and murdered. <laughs> that would be a brilliant episode of Coronation Street. I would, uh, yeah, I would buy that episode. The one where they murdered Doctor Robotnik. You would buy yeah. an episode of of Coronation Street, yeah. Dave, on video to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> scrolling through the Wikipedia page for Coronation Street, <laughs> uh, there is a character, popular character at this time, Raquel Wollstonehume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of the ones that the tape. She's is. right here. She's, She's right, right there. Raquel Walston Hume. There she is. Huh? Actual cross promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Hume. Like yeah. They Hume is inhuman. Yes. They're in charge. Yeah. Hume, yeah. You're right. <laughs> but they didn't make anything of it. All you have to do to win either a shirt or a tape is to answer the simple question, what's the name of Coronation Street's famous pub? A name that every human being on the British Isles is rare knowing. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't even a joke, really, to be honest. Yeah. I was, it sounded like I was making a joke there, but I wasn't. It's the no, Rover's Return. Even I know it's the Rover's Return. Not mentioned anywhere in the text, but if you look closely yeah. at the pictures, it is there in the pictures. Yeah, you can make it out on the covers of the tapes. Send it in to Curry Crimbo Compo, STC. The first 45 entries correctly pulled from, get the spreadsheet up, up. Megadroid's Christmas Stocking. We'll be the proud owners of either a Street Talk tape or a Jack and Vera t-shirt. Please note... All t-shirts, it's becoming a familiar refrain, are XL size only. Great for the kids. Mm. You don't even need trousers anymore. No, no, that's the thing. No, you you don't live here, so you don't know about curry fans. Coronation Street fans wear a t-shirt and nothing else. So this is all of the outfit they need. You see them. You can, that's how you can identify a Coronation Street fan on the street. I don't street. like it when other people do that to me, Dave. <laughs> it's terribly sorry. I have a very weak grasp of reality. <laughs> very weak. If there's even a glimmer of like, oh, really? Oh, wait, so people walking around nude but for a t-shirt. I suppose it is an XL t-shirt. So. I live in Los Angeles. People just walk around butt naked. Oh, brilliant. It's upsetting. I mean, the t-shirt is pictured here and it's terrible oh it's awful there is a huge white t-shirt pictured and it's just white but for a tiny little illustration printed on the front of the couple from jack and vera Vera duckworth from coronation street without even the rover's return background that they have on the cover of the tape though it's the same picture yeah it's it's the cover of the tape because it says street talk above it and everything it's specifically a (laughs) t-shirt branded to tie in with the release of these tapes jack and vera with no left out in the blank space it says on the t-shirt on this blank white t-shirt with this picture of this couple that is not clearly about a tape or anything otherwise it just says it on here with no context it says street talk in the font that the tapes are labeled with and then it says quote listen to listen to jack and vera we're now taken out now so number one, this is a t-shirt that is advertising a product it isn't telling you what is. Yep. Number two, that's a bread slogan, I believe. It is, yep. For a brand of bread that was about at the time, because it, you know, it was like brown bread, so it didn't have the nutrients removed. We're now taken out. What bread yep. was it? Can you remember? Allinson's? Or was I it? Think? Something oh, like that. Gosh. So that, I guess that's gone now anyway. But yeah, what a stupid t-shirt. Stupid t-shirt for a stupid product in a Sometimes. stupid competition, stupidly put in a great comic. Now and then, people have said to us, why don't we sell STCTP t-shirts? And the answer that springs into my head immediately, after they like, oh yeah, we could make some money. Listen to Dave and Chris, we now taken out. See now, see now we've got an excuse to do a t-shirt. But it's, all, it's always been... What? What's the t-shirt? We would have to, because we can't use any of their logos, we can't use Sonic, we'd have to come up with something of, like, us, 
And then it would have to be like, well, who are they? Who would want to wear a T-shirt of these two <laughs> blokes? And and who are they? Like, what do we put that says? Well, Chris, here's the answer. We okay. We recreate this. One of us put their arm around the other one's shoulder. One goes <laughs> higher than the other. We recreate this photo and we put it in a little box and we put we now taken out and we sell because apparently you can do you can take someone else's slogan and use that <laughs> and then we sell that on an otherwise massive blank XL T-shirt. There we go. There's the T-shirt. XL only. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would that would be the rule. You know, not- no T-shirts we sell would be no, no, no. XL only. Nothing smaller. <laughs> I would wear a T-shirt with a picture of Chris in front of a microphone, holding up his palm and standing on his palm as a tiny Dave dressed as a Christmas pudding. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Christmas card for this year. Yes. Aww. Yes. <laughs> if only we'd come up with it before Christmas. <laughs> Monster of the Year Part 2 Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching Letters by Tom Frame The decappers arrive at the venue for the Monster of the Year competition and Chuck immediately starts causing trouble arguing with the doorman and stepping on an incredible shrinking man contestant but it looks like curtains for his chances to win when he starts arguing with other competitors in his category and the fight spills out onto the stage it's just jokes, isn't it's it? It's just jokes. I read that it's as if jokes. it was like it's, it's, a, it's exactly a story. like you were saying last episode. This isn't about anything. Nope. This is just a sitcom now. Yep, and that's great. We're now. It's yeah. It's a monstery. It's you know. It's a uh, monsters or something. We've got this <laughs> collection of monster people, and they've gone to this competition. So we get monster jokes. We get the shrinking men. There's a Frankenstein walking about. There's. I mean, my favorite gag is okay. the page the first page page turn gag where they arrive at this mansion where the thing is being <laughs> held and the butler or the doorman won't let them in you know you should have been here over three hours ago i'm so sorry sir. there's nothing i can do and chuck says in the final panel of the first page uh, which is on a right hand page it's just big smiles look if you just give me a chance to explain and then you turn the page and you see chuck has it doesn't happen it has already happened in yeah. the time it took you to turn the page Chuck has shoved the doorman in the umbrella stand headfirst. <laughs> it's just a great gag. Oh, it's an umbrella stand. I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was like, at first I thought, oh, it's a bin. And then no, it's yeah, more an of a barrel. stand, a walking stick thing. Uh, yeah. Know. I guess I took the stick to be part of the guy, but he's not got a stick. You're absolutely right. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Because <laughs> otherwise it does look like a like a barrel you'd have toxic waste in. Uh, yep, it's very green. I mean, yeah. it's a monster competition, so why wouldn't they have something like that? <laughs> That's, That's how you make it. It's, it's very nicely. Let me tell you. I'll tell you exactly yeah. how classic of a format this is. Right, these the the we have some monsters. They've gone to monster of the year, and now they get to draw some monsters. That's the gag. Mm-hmm. This I have in my hands here. Monster fun. This Ooh. is a Ooh. nice big fat comic available now from W. H. Smith. I don't know if it'll still be available by the time the episode comes out. Four ninety nine. If it's still available, everybody should get it. It is an absolutely brilliant revival of the old British gag strip comic. It's about to go regular. Abby's in it. Hey! And there's several pages of Tom Patterson doing Sweeney Toddler in here. It's brilliant. Ah, oh, Sweeney Toddler, yeah, I remember. Yep, and it, it's so... This is brilliant from page to page. But the first thing in it is this exact story done with Frankie Stein. Exactly the same thing. They go to the Monster of the Year competition. Oh, it is really Monster of the Year and everything. Wow. The comic is called Monster of the Year. They oh, go wow. to a Monster of the Year competition. Did, are there oh. any credits on it? Uh, credits, yes. It is K 
Cavan Scott. Oh, oh I know Cavan Scott. Just making sure it wasn't Nigel Kitching. <laughs> it is not Nigel Kitching. No, it's written by Cavan Scott. I didn't know he worked on this. That's fun. Drawn by John Lucas, who has spent the whole thing doing what Nigel has done here, just drawing different monsters, except with more of a referential bent. So it's all gags of characters you recognize from other stuff i mean yeah nigel's drawn some monsters but like also in the background there's a dude with an axe just sticking out of his head there's a fellow with a frying pan stuck to his head you know they're not all monsters (laughs) and of course it ends up on the stage with the hero monster mucking everything up by being his own silly self Uh, different in every other respect it's just the format is exactly the same this must be this format must have run in so many different comics over the years mustn't it the monster character goes to the monster of the year awards and there's other monsters like, we've had Hero of the Year Award with Sonic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's tried and true, this. And it's great. It's it's always fun. There's Chuck tripping over some invisible men. Great. Well, I mean, that's a... I mean, I mean isn't that... I'm... Deep, <laughs> much as there are no men, I have no words <laughs> for how wonderfully straightforward that is as a joke. He's, sort, he's going past the vampire table, the werewolf table, looking for it, and he's, he's lost in his own thought. Igor's told him not to get in a fight or whatever, and he's just sulking as he goes along. And then he trips over the invisible man, and that's just... Hey. I mean, come on! Yeah. Page two. Frank, I haven't seen you since the Mad Scientist's car boot sale. <laughs> <laughs> Sell them a couple of brains, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, they belong to daytime TV presenters. They had hardly ever been used. Ah, I didn't even... Do you know what? I was giggling so hard at the concept of a mad scientist car boot sale. Yeah, I hadn't even read that balloon, I don't think. <laughs> They're really sticking it to those daytime TV presenters, yeah. huh? Yeah, we've had that already. Didn't, wasn't it a previous one where um, Stein claimed he had invented Richard and Judy? <laughs> <laughs> and before that, it was Blockbusters contestants. That's right, Blockbusters contestants. Uh, and this this fellow they're talking to introduces them to his creation, Terry. And what category are you in? Easiest thing is to show you, Gav. And he shrinks the I'm shrinking man. Incredible. And then Chuck accidentally steps on him. <laughs> and a proper a proper Nigel Kitching. <laughs> not just not just a cartoonish like, oh he's been flattened against the sole of me foot, but it's yeah, fine no. thing. There's a big surge of of goo he got stepped on he burst. <laughs> you know, as a child this would have horrified me, but now I've reflected and um if he's only an incredible shrinking man, he has nowhere to go. Surely he has to be the incredible shrinking and then growing again, man. and growing yeah. again, man. Yeah. yeah, or else he's just ruined his life for a, a yeah. party trick. Like what? How big was he to begin with? Aww. It's implicit because he's, he's normal. Because he's taller than them. <laughs> he's taller than either of the mad scientists. Yeah. When he starts, so he must have started hundreds of thousands of feet tall to even know that he can shrink. People like you. Well, I've actually had a similar problem lately. I'm nine foot two at the moment. <laughs> I just keep people going like you were the reason Transformers used to have robot changes to car and back again written on the boxes. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if they released <laughs> one that couldn't? <laughs> you broke it. And then Chuck says a slur. Right? Yeah. Oh. This was so somebody uh, alerted me ahead of time to this on Twitter that an issue is coming up in which Chuck says a slur, and I was like, "No, surely." But yeah. Um, yeah. What? It's it's not one of the not one of the Z grade ones. Oh wow! But it's one. Yes. Wow, that's a very Dennis the Menace kind of thing to say. Well, that's yes. well, that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. like in Dennis my, the Violent Homophobe. It might as well be. He might as well have said softies for all the sort of um, yeah. context. I feel like it had its use had among children in the nineties. I didn't recognize it at all. Um, this is. I've since grown up to learn that there's. They drop one of these in Santa Claus the movie as well. 
Um, there's well, sort of. There's a bit where Dudley Moore is introducing himself as an elf from the North Pole, and John Lithgow says, "You mean like a fairy?" And he does mean like a magical fairy, but it's a joke for the adults. That's what Chuck says, by the way. That is the slur Chuck says. Yes, uh, and uh, I've said it there in a context that makes it more comfortable to say. Well, yes, uh, <laughs> some some other monsters in Chuck's category are criticizing him behind his back. Very Julian and Sandy. Will you look at that? They let any old collection of body parts in here, you know. That's mm. the, and uh, and yep, Chuck wheedles on them and says, "What did you?" say and um yeah steady on now chuck <laughs> says the skull noticing that he's crossing a line <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's the re- yeah. whoa 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 it, it is funny to see a queer coded frankenstein's monster here like it is uncomfortable in those days that was used as like this is the opposite of a stomping monster because it's mm. i guess because mm. a stomping i guess uh, a growling stomping monster is like masculinity dialed up to a hundred, yes. and then Julian and Sandy is masculinity dialed down, and I guess that's the guy because you used but to it see even translated it translated into children's entertainment in this way, and it's not it's not at all dissimilar to Walter the Softy or anything, where it's not textually a way of saying these characters are gay, and the word that Chuck has used here is a way of him insulting them for being gay. Hmm. It's used to indicate a lack of overt masculinity. You wouldn't do it now. You God, no, you wouldn't do it now. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't do it now. So the other guy next to the monster has a wristwatch over like a little line arm. Is it just like a, is he like a great... Sorry, where are we looking? Talking to Frankenstein's monster. Oh, oh I know, darling. Standards are definitely slipping. Is that like a California raisin with an underbite with little stick arms? <laughs> Wearing a wristwatch. That's not a wristwatch. It's <laughs> a I can't cross it any neck. other way okay. at all. Oh wait, no, it's a bolt. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, it's sort of coming out. I mean, of it does seem like it seems more like a bolt in his hump, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is what man-made monsters have, except for Chuck. They have bolts in their neck. We established this in a graphic zone just a couple of issues ago. (laughs) This is my first uh, decap attack I've talked about, I think. Because I didn't really start following this until after it sort of turned into, like, all Sonic all the time. And decap attack. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw, like, one or two echoes. Yeah. And then decap attack. And so, like, I always assumed, because, like, we never had this game, because no one had this game, because it wasn't a good game yeah um sorry no that's as we understand it and so i just assumed that they'd like menaced sonic in some earlier issue and for like a runaway hit <laughs> and had been spun off into their own serial yeah I just... <laughs> look at this mummy sitting behind igor well is he a mummy or is he an invisible man done up in bandages i'm not sure but i just like the way that whatever he is his bandages are done up with a safety pin yeah it's a face nappy <laughs> no he's not invisible look you can see his eye that's true you can yes he must just be a, a mummy. But he seems to be wearing a trench coat, so I don't know. Well, uh, okay, well, if we're doing this... It could be a mummy flasher. If we're doing this, turn back... <laughs> they take ages. <laughs> you pull that, I'll turn around and around. Um, previous page, I get the sense that the guy sitting behind the vampire's table is like a caricature of someone Nigel knows or something. There's something real about it. <laughs> I do like the idea of the staff of the Monster of the Year competition or just like some guys. guys fully yeah. normal guys who have yeah. are, are just getting like a day rate to come in yeah. and be proctors for this whole I thing. I just work like, here. Civilian volunteers. <laughs> yep, so, of course, anyway, because Chuck said a slur, they get into a fight and they come spilling out through the curtains onto the stage and that's the end. Next issue, the winner. Slur, even notwithstanding, I don't know this is the best decap attack I've ever read, but it's just, uh, it's part of the um, 
strips transformation now into a sitcom that we observed last issue but this one is uh, is more yeah monsters or whatever as you say whereas the last issue was like how will these people survive on a train together you know mm, yeah where, where the, these are more sort of genre jokes genre jokes genre jokes, genre jokes. <laughs> very posh of you <laughs> oh it is genre jacques <laughs> oh my goodness i have made a genre jacques luckily this uh, week my genre is french things right enough <laughs> oh it's beautiful it's awful beautifully awful what a load of oil shit. <laughs> I love that they went with the least mobile bad neck. At least some of them you could sort of pose. Mm. Like even Motobug can sort of lift a little side. So exactly. And like wink at the camera. This is just, it's just a thing. This is the thing. So, so an Asteron. He lurks at the bottom of the sea and he's made out of a helix of all these little orbs. Oh, shut up. And Echo has to go into the past to <laughs> rescue up. one of his orbs. Asteron is just a star with gray points and an eye From in the, the middle. From the Metropolis Zone. Yep. And that's it. It's that star out of Metropolis Zone. It's just got an eye in the middle. And... All they've done here is they've taken one drawing mm-hmm. of an Asteron by Ferran Rodriguez and they've just copied and pasted it multiple times on a page and they've put some coloured balls around it to look a bit like Christmas, like baubles That's or my something. question. Like, there's a sort of vague, dark green glow in the centre of the whole thing and I'm like, are you trying to evoke a Christmas with this? I feel like this is... Mm. I don't like. I don't know. As I say, we said back in the control zone. I don't know if they chose the Asteron for the star theme specifically for Christmas. They did choose the Bat yep. Brain specifically for Halloween, but I think they did. Mm, but, uh, I don't look. Listen, right. Even if they did, I don't care because <laughs> the cheek, the cheek of putting this in here and calling this a pinup and good or in any way worth the time. And light that my eyeballs are sucking up to look at this. Do you remember the brilliant pinup they gave us last Christmas? Yes. Which is this complicated drawing of stuff going on and like people saving people from Mike a Hadley robot Christmas the tree, robot Christmas tree, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And now we get a pishy little piece of airbrushed recreation of a piece of stock art of a bad Nick by Ferran Rodriguez, <laughs> and they won't stop, Dave. How many have we had no. now? Th- four? Four of these. We had a, a bat brain plenty, and a yeah. coconuts and a chopper. Yeah. And a, no, and a, well, one of the fish ones, whichever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, an yeah. astron- and they're going to keep doing them. I swear. They're not going to stop. No. Would you collect a whole, a full set? If there was some uh, element of collectability built into these, I would be on, yeah. I would be on side with them. If they were doing a complete series, chronological, proper order, buzz bomber, and, and, and they were good. Which they're not, but if they were good. And if, if basically, if they turned the Badnik spotter cards into a series of posters, but included real biographical information about the Badniks this time instead of the rubbish they stuck on the spotter cards, which was this time last year, in fact. It was last Christmas, wasn't it, that the spotter cards were... Uh... So you're you're picturing a picture of a Badnik and then, like, an info card on yeah, the Yeah, a little card box about... inset across yeah. the bottom in the bottom left or something, yeah. Yeah, that'd be all right, Maybe yeah. yeah done with that. Like... I like the idea of transforming it into like a Pokemon trading card game, but like they're still pin-up fold-out poster size, and you're just <laughs> shuffling a huge deck. Of- <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm going to turn this one face down. Oh, I'm going to read this Knuckles comic. <laughs> anyway, it's bloody awful. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, if these were collectible, this one would be extra valuable because they're encouraging children to cut them up. So ones that hadn't yep. been cut up would be yep. rare. That's but true. This would be the- no reason to do it. Well... I think it's unlikely any child bothered. No. Oh, I'm sure at least one or two did, honestly. These poor suckers. Yep. 
Knuckles. The Homecoming, Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. Having destroyed the Master Emerald and absorbed its power, the robot blasts Knuckles, collapsing a wall on him. Thinking Knuckles dead, Dr. Zachary reveals his true nature. He is, in fact, the robot's master, and is planning to use the Emerald's power to take revenge on the entire Echidna race. Knuckles recovers and attacks Zachary and the robot before they can leave the island, but the fight is cut short as, without Emerald power, the floating island begins dropping from the sky on a crash course Headed right for a mountain range. Hey, this whips ass. This is another story with the two Nigels. Um, yep. I remember this was Nige. after Nigel Kitching had sort of crossed over. After he'd encountered the Time Lords, <laughs> uh, there's sort of like a lost season <laughs> yeah. where he worked for them. That they yeah, never it's a two televised. Nigels episode, yeah. And he went to the future and met Jamie. And it's because it's a Christmas the, uh, special. That's why it's a two Nigels episode. <laughs> this is, yeah, part three of their first collaboration on uh, Sonic the Comic. Now, if I remember right, Abby, in addition to Short Fuse, Dr. Zachary was also one of your big exposures to STC. Well, this was, yeah, we're right here. This actually it's kind of funny because uh, timing wise I wanted to get one of the ones with short views and uh, one of the ones with Techno the Canary this was one that I hadn't read but all the ones around here I had and uh, I wasn't in the UK at this time but I did visit in February coming up for the funeral of my grandfather and so I, I must have read through all of these from like my cousin's back issues or something because mm. you know it was all about Dr. Zachary was in all of these. And I hadn't really been literate for the Brotherhood of Metallics because uh, I, I was full of life and potential at the time. Um, <laughs> so like the first story was nothing to me. It was just like, who are these guys? I don't know who they are. But Dr. Zachary was like, oh, he must be like one of the main characters. And I always just assumed him and uh, coming up Fleabite, who's a, like a cowboy who appears twice and Dave doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Like, I, th- I thought they were like major. Flea yeah, Fleabite's great. I thought they were the most important people in the strip because, you know, they, they always, you know, you're always like, oh, next issue, here's the cool story with this amazing character. And I believed them because I yeah. was a child and hadn't realized that all marketing was lies. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just, he's cool. Like the white color and the purple mm. shoes. Like it's a, it's a fun design. Oh, it's, it's a, a great cool... design. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we've even really talked about that aspect of him, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, do you remember in the poster mag whenever um, Dobbin drew those incredibly ornate motobugs mm. and they were purple uh, with gold mm. trim and then that's actually the colors that dr zachary's odds and sods are he's a white echidna with yeah like purple royal purple trainers with shiny golden <laughs> bits on you know yes royal purple and design. gold with which to adorn the coming lord yes that's um, right yeah it's a very festive The issue. baby Jesus it's, Knuckles. It's yeah. like, no, those are the Patreon episodes. And these robots are great. Like, oh, they're just yeah. these giant heads and these tiny spindly baby bodies. I, it's gorgeous. The first panel of this is the coolest <laughs> in the world. It's an ancient robot destroying the Master Emerald and absorbing the power of the Chaos Emeralds. And then he shoots Knuckles with it. This is a <laughs> very strong opening. Just for Cyclops a beams it right out the eye. Yeah. Fazak. It did laser beam eyes before, right? Uh. Um, can't remember. But it, well, if it did, they weren't green. Not and like they're this. green now, and that's all that matters. Because yep. its eye used to be red, but now its eye is green because it sucked the emerald juice out, and now it's yep. a boom. Yep. And with great spider legs of lightning coming out of mm. the side of the boom, 
and kind of seeming to grasp around his head and body. Like, oh, it's, oh, it's really cool. And as I called it last issue, yeah, I realised the it. medallion around Dr. Zachary's neck matches a depression on the robot's chin. So he puts the medallion up to it, and then the robot, the, the like the beak mouth of the robot, it just hinges mm. back and reveals a big cockpit with a little seat in it and everything, and Zachary gets inside yeah. it. And then it grows wings under its arms, and it takes off, and it bursts up on the ground, and it's like... I don't think it's fair to call these wings. It's like a, it's, <laughs> it's like a little arm flab that hangs down. Yeah, it's like your nan's arms, isn't They're it? They're the Pinions, smallest, then. Steering, like it's, pr- ever... like, Ooh, it's not I like flying this. by flapping them. It's flying under its own anti-gravity robot fires. Yeah. But it's got to steer somehow. The medallion is so cool because it really it get it it really gave us. I mean, uh, like when we're kids now, not us. It gave us not when we're kids now. We are big kids now, and I'm sure whatever you're about to say, it is giving me that sense of excitement even now too. <laughs> it gave us when we were kids the ability to spot that shape mm. in the during the two weeks of reading and rereading of an issue that generally took place between releases, and realize. He was going to slot it in there. And that was the real... That was the way we were really able to guess. Is this going to be a bad guy? Is this echidna going to be bad? And here it is. The payoff straight away. I had not remembered at all this bit from Zachary. Yeah. Where uh, he says, I will find every one of Knuckles's lost people and take mm. my revenge. That's fascinating because mm. that implies to me the fact that he didn't know what we, you remember we were, we were expressing confusion that he didn't know what the chaos emeralds were or where they were or if they were even real or not so, yeah that implies to me like he was kicked out mm. eons ago before the emeralds ever even existed and yeah. only heard about yeah. them years later you know and now yeah he's, like, and he's to been use festering them. somewhere in yeah. some little den that he's made where he's like Ooh, i'll get my revenge on them there's some interesting dialogue on that page and it was interesting enough for me to see if I've got the script and I have got the script and yeah, there's been some odd edits here um, that I want to draw your attention to. So here's what made me stumble on this, which was that, what? so what Dr. Zachary says, the twist, the turn, is when he says, so, you know, Knuckles is zapped and then buried under some rubble and Dr. Zachary, thinking he's alone, thinking Knuckles can't hear him, says, Good riddance. I thought we'd never get that pest off our backs. And then he turns, puts the medallion in the robot, and what he says is this. My plan worked perfectly. Knuckles was so pleased to meet a member of his lost race that he believed everything I told him. He never suspected that I could be evil. Yeah, that's a bit on the nose as dialogue goes. <laughs> also, he's not told him anything. <laughs> I was like, who... What kind of a villain, particularly, like, we know how Nigel Kitching writes, and I don't think he writes, like, in a, in what feels like a quite serious story. Aha! I'm actually evil! And then no further justification for that. And I was like, what's what's going on here? So I, so I crack open the script, and here's what he originally says before mm-hmm. the edit. In the script, he said, He never suspected that there could be one of that race who was considered evil. Yeah. And so that, we now know... Is what he's going to take revenge for. He's saying there that he's an outcast. Whereas in the printed story, he's like, Aha, I'm evil and I'm going to take revenge on, I don't know, people not being evil. But, well, as you see, I have already sped ahead to the conclusion Mm. that he was Mm. banished for his 
wickedness, whatever, whether he believes it was or, or not. I don't think it, it hurts the implication of why he seeks revenge upon them all. Isn't this one a great line, though, when he gets the robot open and he climbs in and he says, The knucklehead led us straight to the legendary Chaos Emeralds. Alas, their inestimable power has been transferred to my indestructible robot. Now it's fun time. I just like the use of the word inestimable in the same sentence of indestructible. <laughs> You've managed like a combination of the two cartoon Robotniks from this period. Oh, there was a little something <laughs> of both in there, you think? It wasn't going for yeah. it. It was like a like a more sibilant. I think I all know. villains, cool. all mad scientists just have to roll their R's. It's just law. Yeah. There's a root mad scientist voice. <laughs> well, it's not even just scientists, because I remember when I first met Morgan, and she's a graphic artist, she said, you would never suspect that I am an evil graphic des- graphic designer. <laughs> graphic artist. <laughs> I just draw evil things like blood and skulls. The monster of the year competition will destroy the children. <laughs> well, Zachary's out to destroy the children. He's going to de- warm up by destroying the people of the planet Mobius. Again, rather implying the echidnas, wherever they are, are not on Mobius. They're in space. We have had that very early line from a very early Knuckles story saying that they had left for the stars. Yeah, they've gone for the stars. I, I, there was no question in my mind that they were on yeah. Mobius. They're in the stars. The echidnas. Well, perhaps that's where Zoc- Dr. Zachary's come back Yeah, from, but that's the this thing. This panel of the robot bursting out of the ground oh. is wicked cool. Yeah, it is. But it is immediately surpassed <laughs> by Knuckles getting in a zoom tube and <laughs> launching himself out of it like a cannon and tearing through the robot. <laughs> yeah. Sick, dude! Yeah. <laughs> I haven't finished with you yet. And you can, you can hear the poof as he comes, the compressed air thump <laughs> as he's shot out of the zoom tube and pointed knuckles out front tears through the robot's wing and yeah. brings it down out oh, of the knuckles. sky he, sometimes it's worth just pausing and remembering how wicked knuckles is it's just great yeah He's got spiky knuckles let's see how well you could fly with a broken wing it is fun to see knuckles fighting someone who sort of visually is um popular transformers character senator ratbat Visually, he's the best Transformer. <laughs> and uh, as the one here who has to Google that, I'm going to I mean, Google he is that. the best Transformer, he's, yes. But... He just, his name is Senator Ratbat. <laughs> his name is Ratbat. Senator is his title. <laughs> no. No, I love that. When he dies, that'll go on his tombstone. I love that. I'm currently reading the, the, the current IDW Transformers comics in their hardback releases, and I'm loving it. And this is the first time, like that Abby's brought home Transformers things because I want them. Like, this, I've, I've turned a page. Aww. The tone of it is great. It's this quite, you know, quite thoughtful telling of this world in the aftermath of a war and the pre-math of another war. And it's factions and it's intrigue and it's very interesting. And then there's a guy called, like, what was he called? Deathzilla or something. <laughs> what was his name? Deathsaurus. Deathsaurus. Yeah, that's that's really right. What you're thinking of. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonder what, whose faction's Deathsaurus going <laughs> to yes. be in? I mean, he is the leader of the Decepticons in See? one of the original Japanese series from the 80s. Oh, not surprised. You know, so... Yes, you know, you're dealing with your Orion Paxes and your Proteuses and your guys with names like that. And then Deathsaurus just wanders in and there's really no pay into subtlety there, is there? That's just his name. Before there's a war. This is peacetime. Do they ever do a joke when someone's like, oh, I'm looking for a man named, like, Tarantulas. I wonder what he could look like. <laughs> like, he could be anything. Are you Tarantulas? Are you Tarantulas? 
Yes, well, more than meets the eye, did have a character named Killmaster in it. <laughs> really, he was really just a joke Killmaster. character. Like he was referred to in flashbacks and stuff. Another character talked about him like he was his nemesis and he had killed him long ago. Killmaster was his name really? Killmaster. Well, no, his birth name was Murder King, but he changed it. I don't know why. It wasn't exactly striking a blow against nominative determinism, was it? (laughs) That was brilliant. Anyway, Sonic the Comic. These robots are so cool. They're baller. They have the same color scheme. I only noticed now when it was sucking up the emerald juice as um, the Gizoid from Sonic Battle and Sonic Mm. Advance 3 that also is an ancient robot that (laughs) sucks up emerald power. And I don't know if it's just because it looks cool next to green. Sonic the Comic was well on the ball, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, he's even sort of got a similar head shape with, like, the spike going up the middle or, like, sort of like the black side. You know what I mean. It's interesting. Well, I mean, we've talked in previous issues about um, like the this, the great design, this ornate design that conveys the idea of the ancient magic technology of the of the floating island. And I mean, we, we didn't talk about it, like, but that's what we're seeing here, like with the idea that he has an amulet that he merely has to hold up to the robot, and that makes yeah. its mouth open, you know. And he's got a little control console in there, but look at him, they're all weird lumpy buttons that you just wave your hands oh, over or something probably to make the robot oh, do yeah. the controls you see him at the... Oh, I had to take the bus to work today. I couldn't open my robot. I lost the medallion. <laughs> yeah, I lost my amulet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's way cooler than having keys. Yeah. I, I, want, I want to do that now. Well, that's why he wears it around his neck, so he yeah, can't, can't, um, forget, can't it. forget it. Make your keys a fashion statement. And he can't get it back off because it doesn't come up over the big head. <laughs> yeah. So Knuckles shoots through the guy and he has, and Dr. Zachary is one of the best put downs ever. I may have underestimated your strength, Knuckles, but not your intelligence. Hey. If it hadn't been for your meddling, I'd interfering, I'd have left the floating island quietly. But now I must make sure you die. And then Knuckles, not one for quality banter, throws back, careful what you say, you grumpy <laughs> old, old grandpappy. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he really felt that, that one. That took me to the script, and no, that's not in the script. Huh. <laughs> oh, right, that is interesting, actually, because it doesn't sound like an Nigel Kitchen. No, d- exactly. What does he say? Um, okay, so yeah, the dialogue again is different. Whereas in the printed comic, he says, If it hadn't been for your meddling and interfering, I'd have left the floating island quietly. But now I must make sure you die. Careful what you say, you grumpy old grandpappy. In the script, it is, You should have stayed out of my sight. Guardian of the floating island, you should have allowed me to leave, because now I will not leave until I am sure you are dead. Come on then, Zachary, give it your best shot. Oh, Zachary's dialogue's better in the printed comic. Dave, the episodes covering the previous bits of the story aren't out yet. Did you have Dr. Zachary saying, like, Knuckles, I'm just a helpless old man. Help me cross the street, please. When he was introduced <laughs> yes. by any chance. I absolutely won't kill you. I don't think we've done a voice for Dr. Zachary before. Tonight. Will you not have a cup yeah. of tea? I don't think we have. No, at best, that's probably just something, probably just something a bit like that. You know, something that has a, you can put a bit of a sinister bent on it when you need to, but whenever you pull it back, it just sounds quite normal. Whatever happens, both pretending yeah. to be good, Doc Zach, and being evil, Doc Zach, are like, old Doctor Who villain voice. That's what it is. Hmm. Oh, God, yes. Now I must make sure you die! (laughs) I am a member of your lost race! (laughs) We are friends! I have a boss pass! (laughs) Because he's old. 
I just noticed something cool about the design of this guy, which is probably common to a lot of robots, but I never thought of it before. When it's looming over Knuckles and it's sort of looking down, its its visor like points down. Yeah. And it looks a little more angry. Looking angry. But then in the next one, it looks up and it just looks mm. really casual and blank. <laughs> it's just like, huh? Well, it couples with that gulping mouth. Sort of, it almost yeah. looks like it's shocked, you know? It's just a great design. It looks kind of like a crying baby, which <laughs> couples with its proportions to just make it look kind of like a cute scary. It's great. It fits perfectly with the Sonic, like, vibe. I mean, Dobbin would do a lot of great stuff, but this is his first, like... This is first strip, and it's like it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's it's the centerpiece visual of his first strip, and he killed yeah. it. Damn, Amazing. it's great. The, the everything, the, this strip again, it's tailored to everything Dobbin is the best at. He's got these bejeweled ancient artifact robot guys. He's got these vistas with mountains and flying islands and ah, clouds. The, the panel of the island coming oh. down towards the mountain. Yeah. Ooh, amazing! It's like mm. I, I feel like this is maybe one of the first panels where I've really got a real sense of the floating island size Just relative yeah, and to weight. you know because a lot of a lot of previous panels of the floating island mm. tend to show it from above. Um, but then you can you, back whenever the before the Death Egg launched, you could see the Death Egg in the launch space mm. on its surface. And obviously those were large enough that you could do that, but you never quite got it. Or, or like whenever Knuckles smashed the Carnival Knight off the edge of it and it pulled mm. out a bit to show it. Or in the scenes whenever the island actually, you know, clashed with the Death Egg and then the scale was hard to figure out and you sort of looked at them side by side and you were like, well, how did that ever fit on that? Those things that... This one is like, yeah, that's a, that's a big old... Big old yeah. chunk of dirt. That's yeah. You, the weight, like you said, that stock stealing it somehow. It looks like it's lurching down out of the sky. Set up by the first panel on the page opposite, where you're actually seeing over the edge of the island to like continents below. Like it really feels high up above the clouds. You can see a planet down below, and then by the next page, we've reached it. We're we're crashing into the mountains already. Great sense of scale in this. Looks like it's over for both of us, Dr. Zachary, says Knuckles. Next issue, Impact. Font. <laughs> Lucid, a black letter. The font name that sounds the most like a sort of vampy villainess character. Gothic hair. She submitted art to this issue, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Refuso! Refuso! Well, this is odd. Because here we are where the Q-Zone normally goes at the end of a long run of us going, God, just <laughs> stop it. And they've put, there's no Q-Zone this issue for the first... I think that's the first oh. time there's never been a Q-Zone. I don't yeah. think they've ever skipped it before. But in its place yeah. is the Review it Zone. Is. And it's 1995. So the Review Zone is of a game tie-in of the film mm. Waterworld. <laughs> The Mega Drive, a pre-release version reviewed by Neil Bryant. Probably one of the two films of the 90s, this and Showgirls, that have the worst reputation of any film mm. of that era. Was Ishtar the 90s? Ishtar, I feel, is up in there, but that might have been 80s. If it was, that's more niche, you know what I mean? Whereas Waterworld is the Eldorado of films. <laughs> Fair? <laughs> I mean, you're 100% correct. An absolutely perfect comparison. But you want to talk about a niche reference. (laughs) 
So this is a game of Waterworld that, that they're having to review. And like, did we know it by now that Waterworld was the huge historic flop that it was? When, when did Waterworld come out? Don't know. That's the question. Is it out or I'm is it coming? No, that's the question, yeah. Because what a situation to be in for a film that's supposed to be the next big action film that comes out and flops. Waterworld has been out now for four months. Nearly. Okay, so we must have the reviews. It must have the reputation. And here they are trying to flog a game based on it that comes out a bit later than it. And it's a really bad review too. Like it's a really unexciting review that communicates very little about the game. And they talk, it's got like multiple play formats to it. The isometric 3D shoot 'em up sections where you drive your boat around. And their underwater swimmy Echo of the Dolphin y bits. Echo y bits, yeah. I think it's worth noting that Waterworld was published by Ocean. Hey, yeah. of course it was. But all they show, picture wise, is just it's just the isometric uh, boat bits. Yeah. And there might as well be the same photo over and over uh, again. Yeah, by far the least interesting to look at bit. A blue screen with this one odd shaped boat in it that's got bits and bobs, doesn't it? It's got it's like an upside down Starship Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, like a health bar and like some boats that they're shooting at. Whereas they could have chosen to have the Echo the Dolphin looking swimmy bits or some platform shooty bits. Oh, there is one photo of a digitized, I think, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper, yeah. Squashed. Mm-hmm. Squashed Cooper. and shown in the wrong ratio in the game. That's not an STC problem. Yeah, that's not their fault, yeah. Neil Bryant, not one of the big regular names from the review zone from past uh, issues, but uh, he closes out the review by noting that, as with so many movie spin-off games, Waterworld falls short of expectations but has enough entertainment value to keep it afloat. I didn't realise even by 1995 we'd concluded movie tie-in games were bunkum. Uh, yeah, apparently we had. I will say the Super Nintendo Waterworld game at least has a great soundtrack. It's oh, like I'm Tim not Fall surprised. levels of quality. It's great. Look it up. Well, no, but that is the trick, in fact. For what we have here, Dave, Hello. cue up the sound clip, because for the first time in a long time... <gasps> it never happened. This one was invented by a writer. It's false. It never happened. What? Yes, Waterworld was released for the SNES, the Virtual Boy, MS-DOS, Microsoft Windows and Game Boy, but the versions created for the Mega Drive, uh. Saturn, Jaguar, 3DO and PlayStation were never released. We got you, folks. I put it to you YouTube long player people to be a bit more clear about when you're playing a game that's unreleased and you've just dug up a ROM from somewhere, because I did not get that impression from the videos I watched. <laughs> the game received widespread negative reviews, it says here on Wikipedia, and the version released for the Virtual Boy is generally considered to be the worst game on that oh, system. Gosh. How is that well. possible? There were only 22 games on that system. Compo! 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 Foggy! <laughs> Did you just make that up or are there lyrics to the theme tune? There are lyrics. They sing like funny elegiac versions of the lyrics in the episode where the oh. one died. Okay. Uh, which one died? Well, Compo died. But, like, there are also just regular lyrics. Yeah, it's the same way that there are technically lyrics to the Alo Alo theme tune, you know? <laughs> yeah. I could be so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Write a theme tune, sing the theme tune. 
Stop Press! Yeah, this is actually the subscription page where you send in your coupon oh, to have the comic delivered yeah. uh, to your door every two weeks. But what they're doing to, you know, entice you into this is that uh, they've, they've got five uh, fantastic Sonic baseball mm. jackets to give away. And uh, if you, you know, make a subscription, your name will be entered into the prize draw. Now, this jacket is nothing like as rare as the Sonic and Knuckles jacket that we've encountered before. You can go and get this for 30 quid. Mm. Oh, uh, plus, I think, a hefty bit of postage and packing, because I think they're in Japan or somewhere. But these are... You won't find them under the word under the name baseball jackets. They're bomber jackets. And that's how you find them on eBay. This is the one that's a blue... Yeah, a baseball, I guess, jacket must be the word for this kind of thing. Blue, white arms, big orange S printed on the front, and the little um, Tails and Robotnik sort of patches down the sleeve um, that resemble the Christmas Cracker badges. Mm, I like the patches. It's a good jacket, and I want to own it. Well, Dave, you can, but you won't. <laughs> But what if I wanted one without going to eBay? How would I achieve that? Just subscribe to Sonic the Comic and your details will be entered into the prize draw in 1995. The first five names pulled out of Spreadsheet. Uh, one of Sonic's sneakers after the closing date will win a jacket. Closing date being 29th of February 1996. Ooh, it was a leap year. And there is no mention of it, but we can assume that the jacket is XL only. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't say it, but you would assume, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, there isn't any mention of it. No, there isn't. I've yeah, had a good it doesn't look. ask you to put your size on the form anywhere. No. Yeah, but I think that's a pretty safe assumption. <laughs> you know, I only watched the French dub of uh, Sur le monde des imbeciles et chevaux. C'est Rodney est un tel planqueur. Quel dommage. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic's World. Cybernic Strikes Back, Part 5. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John Burns, and letters by Steve Potter. Short Fuse blasts his way into Robotnik's office and confronts the evil doctor, but stays his hand when Metamorphia grabs Techno and threatens her life. However, when Techno realises that Metamorphia no longer has her shape-shifting abilities, she is easily able to overpower her. Our two heroes withdraw and go their separate ways, with Short Fuse content to leave Robotnik alive, to live with the knowledge that he was responsible for creating the Cybernik, and thus is responsible for the many defeats Short Fuse is determined to cause him in the future. Cool. So the last chapter ended with that. I believe, Dave, you used the word baller to describe the ending of the previous issue, as Short Fuse just tore up the skies of the Metropolis Zone and came bearing down on yeah. Citadel Robotnik. And, god damn, like, <laughs> does this one keep that up? He just smashes in through the door, takes every bullet <laughs> and laser shot that they throw at him and just ping, 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 bounces off his thing. And, and he torches them all, literally yeah. swings his arm and reduces all the trooper badniks that come spilling into the room to literal molten slag as they scream. With the sound effect, Yeah. And then he turns his gun arm on Robotnik. Right up in his face. Chris, give us the line. Pull the trigger, Cybernik. The ruler of Mobius never begs for mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy sh! He's got a gun in his face. Pull the trigger. He does that thing where he puts his forehead on the gun. <laughs> Go ahead, pull the trigger. Oh, this is so cool. Mother of mercy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
did not remember this kicking as much ass. <laughs> I love the smoking pair of boots from one of the robots he blew up in the corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I said that's what's so brilliant about it is like oh. with the flint art and the stringer script is that it's also never afraid to have a little moment yeah. of comedy in, yeah. in and amongst all this that doesn't feel discordant with... With yeah. everything else that's going on. Because, yes, okay, he may well have just shoved his gun in Robotnik's face. He's yeah. still a tiny robot <laughs> squirrel, you know. There is an element of understood <laughs> ridiculousness yeah. in all this that we are bought yeah. into. You know, I was oblivious to the ridiculousness as a six-year-old. Because, like, I, you just yeah. read it and yeah. you're like, oh, this is, yeah, he's a, he's a metal squirrel with a with a bleak backstory. And he's like, I'm a brooding squirrel. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, squirrels have feelings, so does everyone else. It's part of the buy-in that kids just accept and adults yeah. either get on board with or f*** <laughs> off. <laughs> on the next page, a monster who has got a canary, like, grasped under her arm, is completely overpowered by this tiny canary and thrown over her head and body slammed onto the ground. It's a great drawing of metamorphia, though, isn't it? Yeah. Metamorphia is great. The first panel. Maybe it was last issue or the issue before where I was kind of like, I'm not so sure about the way Flint's doing Metamorphia in profile here. It kind of looks like her face is just sort of a frozen expression. But here it's it's really working. Oh, she's got no powers, but she's still mm. trying. She's still trying, lover. In in the DreamWorks TV version of Sonic the Comic, like Metamorphia is like, like the Catra of this show. Yes. No, like, definitely. At this point, absolutely, yeah. She and Short Fuse have like, they were created from the same program or something. Yeah, well, we've got this long established thing where like she's actually a sad character who's just in love with Robotnik and wants to impress him. They hadn't yet realized what a moneymaker Techno was because this is the last time she appears for like 50 chapters. Really? Is it really that it's, long it's before a, we it see might, Techno It might just again. be 25. I don't know. But it's it's a wow. year. Wow. So I guess it would be 25. Yeah, it's a long time. And that's that's why I, I had to be on this episode because I hadn't realized you'd gotten to Techno so fast because the episodes I was hearing were before she showed up. We previously appraised Techno as a character character ahead of her years on this show. Yeah. She would be a lesbian internet icon if introduced today. Opinions. Yeah. She she's terrific. She's terrific. I you know, I'll tell you what, I don't think she grows into her own until later. Like she's set up great, but then this this panel in this one where she's like the helpless captive role was wearing a bit thin. <laughs> and it it's very much like uh, if you've ever been at a party and someone's like uh you know, my boss is always telling me sexist things, but I don't agree with him. <laughs> and then just sort of expect you to be impressed or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, within the 90s context where, like, that was such a, you know, the girl power and everything. Yes. Like, you had to... Well, girl power didn't even exist yet. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. It's only 1995, isn't it? We didn't have girl power yet. The Spice Maidens had yet to meet Captain Plunder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Spoilers. I compared it to... With, with Marian in the recent uh, Knuckles and Tails strip, it's, um solitary female character in a kid's cartoon energy yeah where she has the burden of her in of her entire gender is on her Aww. because she is the only one girl power was floating around in the atmosphere and it hadn't yet found its spice girls to settle on there was not yet the spice girl lightning rod to call it down <laughs> from the atmosphere yeah. let me tell you the mary that birthed that not a virgin She's in control of her sexuality. The Mary that birthed... First one. I'm just trying to be Christmas-themed. I'm trying to bring this <laughs> all back to The Mary that birthed the lightning. Where do you think lightning comes from? That birthed girl power. Oh, girl power. Stop it's it. We like don't a, care. Oh, yeah. Where do I, <laughs> there's women in the clouds. Hey, kids. Do you know who really had girl power? Just get my youth pastor oh, voice on here. Lived about 2,000 years ago. He lived on the sportiest <laughs> spice of them all. 
love. <laughs> because was he not a bit scary? A bit sporty. <laughs> he was a baby at one point. <laughs> he was ginger. <laughs> the gingerest spice of them all. Ginger. <laughs> and he was whatever the other one is that I can't remember. Oh, posh. He was posh, I suppose. I mean, you've seen Rome. <laughs> I mean, we joke, but some youth pastor somewhere definitely tried happened. this in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 96 next year, isn't it? That was wannabe, right? We're waiting for girl power to come crashing down on us in the new year. If you want to be the recipient of Jesus' love, <laughs> you've got to get with his friends, the apostles. <laughs> there you go. Now you're talking. <laughs> oh my, I, the ending of this story is the stupidest thing I ever read, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so what, which bad. bit? I thought this was all good. Which bit? It's like, they're like, oh wait, we've got the bad guy. Like, they have to take the only excuse available, which is he decides not to end the comic forever. Oh, oh, I disagree because my whole note for that page is, let me bring it up. My note for that page is... Mel, this is wicked. So apparently I was quite taken with it. It is a very fun idea. I mean, I, I like the idea inherently because you know, I've said it before, I like it when mm. those villains who preen, pose, and pretend to untouchability are cut to the quick. I mean, I, normally I like it whenever it get, means their face gets smashed into the ground in some capacity, but I do like it whenever their sense of self yeah. is cut away like that, wherever, you know, stop dithering and shoot! No, I came here to rescue Techno and to confront you, Robotnik, not to kill you. What? You'll suffer more if I let you live. Each time I triumph over your badniks, you'll remember one thing. You created me, which makes you responsible for your own defeats. That's a good and all speech. Robotnik can do is just properly toys out of Prime. He's, he's got no... It's a, get, get out! Get out! And that's it. And they just fly off through the hole in the ceiling. And it's like, waving the fist after them and everything. And I like that, but he should have shot him dead. Yeah. He's the evil dictator who rules the planet. There's yep. no, you know, don't don't over-moralize it. Short fuse, yeah. like, in, in a real-world scenario. Like, I'm not saying, I'm, I don't call it dumb, because obviously, you know, it's it's a, yeah. I don't want him to kill him. He's a good dude. But it's like, in, in, in the real world, you mm. do shoot Hitler in the face, yes. Yeah. By the way, nice office. <laughs> Techno calls back as they leave. <laughs> I like Metamorphia gets a little job in there at the end, too. You know, Robotnik is literally, and we sink back into that stringery uh, comedy as, as Robotnik literally flumps <laughs> down in a humph on the floor of his office, arms crossed over his knees and buries his face in him. And Metamorphia just behind goes, and if you hadn't taken my powers away, I could have gone after them. And I'm not listening. <laughs> I just like that she she kind of, you know, even though she got her ass handed to her by techno, handily, that she still... Gets that little barb in at the end. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Metamorphia. <laughs> Metamorphia's cool. Metamorphia's great. Love she Metamorphia. Just, she took great. on such a whole other dimension with that two-part story where it turned out she, uh, she like, loves Dr. Robotnik. Whether it's romantic or platonic, but the idea that she loves him and just strives her best for him. And and, and she's rewarded with with abuse and having her powers taken away from her. And then Robotnik is humbled and laid low and she's like... Yeah. In the background, like, and, like, and you think maybe, maybe that's the illusion shattered for mm. Metamorphia now. Maybe, yeah, she's not deluded it anymore. You know, now that he's just reduced to a sulking egg, Aww. is she still going to respect him? Yeah. <laughs> I, how does an egg sulk, Dave? But well, you, I, I you mean, you see it here. That, look at that panel. He's, that's <laughs> an egg. That's a sulking egg. <laughs> <laughs> now we've said we've commented before about how, like, because he's used to doing 
one-page gag strips or two-page gag strips or strips. Lou knows how to cram a lot of content into a comic. And here he finds room, after all of that, mm. for a, a whole page of come down, a whole page of, like, nighttime yeah. conversation. What a great place to, to hold it, too, with the huge story. moon giving him silhouettes. It's great. Yeah. You wouldn't do, it wouldn't be too unusual, like an STC, for the strip to maybe ended on that page on that panel of them yeah. flying out the hole and just it's be a like, good the end, Cybernick flies in a new adventure again soon, STC. Mm-hmm. But instead we get, yeah, we get a little a little page of come down. I like later mm-hmm. techno where she's a richer green, but this is a great green for like the moonlight is is yeah. so boss. It's a great palette. Yeah. And what it is, is that techno offers short fuse. You know, you can just hang out with me. This this could yeah, be our secret, secret workshop. We still don't is. see where the door actually no, is. <laughs> I was looking out for it this time. Uh, so was I. I thought, Oh, wait. Oh, I spoke too soon. But no, you don't see it. But um, but no, he turns down the offer. If I stay on the move, I'm more of a threat to Robotnik. And so they part ways. And it's all sad because they're silhouetted in the, in the moon and everything, as Abby says. And it's like she's she's a little sad maybe to see him go, you know. And it's like, mm. then you'd better fly. Don't think you've seen the last of me, Techno. I'll be back. It's so funny that, like, he met the only person in the world who could, like, keep him in good repair. <laughs> but the last two pages of this are just like, nope, gotta protect the status quo. Well, you come back <laughs> if he needs repair. Yeah, he knows where to go now. But yeah, no, I've looked it up. Abby's absolutely right. The next appearance of Techno, or at least the next one listed on the wiki I saw, mm. is next year's New Year's issue. And I don't mean 1996. A solid year then. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's not inconceivable. Although Stringer has built this story out of Metamorphia and obviously conceived Shortfuse as a character with a larger story with a view to telling like more stories over a longer period of time with him, I guess it's not impossible he really conceived Techno as just like a, a one-off character for this story to maybe return to later. Yeah. And then yeah. a certain form of power came crashing down <laughs> on us in 1996 <laughs> and Deborah Tate was like, hey, bring her back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this wow, this serial to run alongside like Brutus as well. Like, what an action-packed couple of issues this has been. Short fuse, short fuse. He's a squirrel, and he will be back. I mean, yeah, that's what the ending is. He flies off into space. Might as well wink down at the audience and then off panel. Next issue, Amy returns for a complete caper. Oh right, spoilers. Mistletoe for metal. Dear Megadroid, I'm so smitten with metallics that I've drawn a flame by his pinup <laughs> as a symbol of my devotion. <laughs> Elizabeth Hartzell, Graves and Kent, Sonic Stationery winner. I think you've gone a bit dizzy, Lizzie. Is that is that a normal way to show appreciation for something by drawing flames next to them? I've never heard of this before. I don't know. Maybe that's her secret way of being like, I hold a candle for this person. There's a flame in my heart Aww. for them, but without admitting it openly. But readers of this will get it because she's sent in the key to the <laughs> code here. It's like a Riddler thing to do. <laughs> Why would you... 
Nod want people to know it, but leave clues. Don't you remember the adolescent business of being in love with people, but needing to hide it from everyone and having it as your own secret? I built a complicated cipher of the name of my crush, <laughs> and I spelled it out in crimes. I've committed a crime. I put it in a cryptex, and if you unfold it, like, it opens and it leaves. Listen, this is not unusual. I knew a kid who wrote, like, who they fancied on their pencil case, but it was just like a, a game of Hangman. It was just the number of letters underlined of who it was. Well... These are the codes that children deal in. I figured it out, by Once the way. Once upon a time, maybe, like, but... I've robbed eight safety deposit boxes at the Gotham City Bank, <laughs> spelling out the name of my crime. Once upon a time, maybe, but nowadays they would just literally be posting pictures of metallics with an eggplant emoji stuck over yep. them on their Insta, you know? This... Yep. Peach, 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 yep. drip, drip, drip. There's no shame among the youth of today, no. No. <laughs> That's good. We shouldn't pass on our generation's shame. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm Irish. <laughs> he has said that before. We know from shame. I knew that already, listeners. Goodwill gesture, <laughs> dear STC. I went to the comic convention on October 1st. Hey. Apart from having my copy of STC number one signed by all the artists and writers, I also got six drawings plus two signed scripts. Are they going scripts away? I owe a big oh, thank word. you to everyone from Mary Broster from Saxile in Lincoln. And Mary had to stop writing there because a wasp was flying around. That's what, <laughs> that's what happens when you try and talk about your experience at the comic convention. Megadroid uh, replies, and the Megadroid heads on the page, by the way, all have little Santa hats and beards like on the controls. They do. So you were responsible for holding up the queue, eh, Mary? Watch out for the UCAC Photo Zone special follow-up report. Oh, looking forward to that. Um, and he's styled responsible as respond-sybil there, giving yeah, away that previously that, yeah. that word needed it's to go to another line, line, but then yeah. they just realigned it without noticing. Glad tidings! Dear STC, my friend and I have had an argument concerning the Sega Saturn and the Sony PlayStation. We know the PlayStation is cheapest, but which is the best? Says There's Chris only Hawks. one way to find out! <laughs> Fight! <laughs> Says Chris Hawks for Jessex, Sonic Stationary Winner. And of course, um, the answer is that the PlayStation is the best. But <laughs> this is a Sega I know, magazine. I know that hurts you to say, Dave. It does. But this is a Sega magazine, and so they have to they have to shill the product. So the answer is here's the lowdown, Chris. Dot dot dot. The the ellipsis of someone gearing up to say something <laughs> they don't fully believe. Sega have now slashed the price of the Saturn alone to £299, same as the PlayStation. However, unlike the PlayStation, the Saturn can also be purchased with games as a complete package for the old price of 399 Rumour has it that you'll also be able to surf the internet and watch movies using a Could Saturn you system. Ever do that? Stay tuned! You know, th this has brought up a memory for me. I think I should tell you this because you were alluding to it earlier. You said no one had played Knuckles Chaotix. And we did have a PlayStation growing up sort of late into its life, like 98-99. But we didn't have a PlayStation anywhere near the launch or never had a Saturn we got the 32x you had a so 32x I did have Knuckles Chaotix and Tie Fighter and those were the two games those were the two games I think it broke or something because maybe it was like because you had to hook something up and it couldn't play normal games or something because after a certain point my dad was just like I'm not going to hook that up for you anymore it's it doesn't work <laughs> we broke it or something we did discover that to our surprise that the 32X was not something you just plugged into the top of the console. Remember, you did have to yeah. plug it into the mains as well, or maybe even wire it further into the back of the Mega Drive or something. It was that you plugged the TV 
cables into the 32X, not the Mega Drive. <sighs> and mm. so it comes out from there, which is why it is able to say that the graphics on your Mega Drive games are improved. I think just because it has like a component output rather than an aerial one, you know. Could you um, uh, surf the internet and watch movies on a Saturn system? Is the rumor true? I've never heard of that. It might be true, though. Okay, okay, yes. Sega Netlink was an attachment for the Sega Saturn to provide Saturn users with internet access and access to email through their consoles. Mm. And presumably it did that. Um, there was a couple of compatible games, Sega Rally Championship and Virtual On Cyber Troopers Netlink Edition that you could play online. So, yes. Ah, 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 ah. Unlike other online gaming services in the US, it doesn't connect to a central service. It instead tells the dial-up modem connected to the Saturn's cartridge slot to call to the person with whom one wishes to play. Since it requires oh. no servers to operate, the service can operate as long as at least two users have the necessary hardware and software. But in Japan, however, gamers did connect through a centralized service known as Sega Net, which would later be taken offline and converted for Dreamcast usage. So what I'm hearing is that the American version still works. Yeah. And... Uh, the Japanese one doesn't. Which one of those, if either, we got? I can't tell you because this is the internet and they don't care about us. Well, we've got two pictures here, mm. um, but there's a bit of a problem. There is a bit. The uninitiated would not perhaps recognise that there is a problem, but no. one of these images is credited to Jessica Padkin Taylor, who has already had one picture in this issue and several in previous issues, yep. and one is credited to Kirsty MacDonald. But because we are now so intimately familiar with Jessica's work, we can tell they've swapped the name captions. <laughs> and also and also because it's so clearly a Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> so we've brought Jess in again to uh, give her justifications and I answer a question that I had when we got to the graphic zone. Jess, did you send them a stuffed envelope full of like, look, I've drawn Garfield stuff as Sonic? Or were you... Week in and week out, sending different Garfield Sonics to Were these people. Were you waiting for them to run a week of Garfield-themed art? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, I got it. So I'll tell you what happened. when The first time I sent a picture in, I actually got the letter back saying, oh, sorry, we don't have enough room to oh. print your picture. And I got a badge. But it said, like, please keep sending in art. <laughs> you know, we should print it sometime. So I took that to heart. You took it as a message from on high commanding you to continue doing it. <laughs> So, yeah, I think I just uh, reeled off all these Garfield pictures in an attempt to win them with numbers. <laughs> Were these all coming out of a single Garfield publication you had to turn to, like, did you have a calendar and you were copying it? Or like, yeah, probably, yeah. Were you, so, were, was this because you were a bigger Garfield fan than a Sonic fan? Like, what, I don't what think was so. The... I was into Garfield first when I was yeah, sure, very Yeah, young. sure. Yeah, of course. And then I oh know Sonic took over as my thing. Yeah. And now you have blue hair in honor of yeah. Now I am Sonic, the spiky one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are Sonic because she grew up with ginger hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eating lasagna for every meal. Little little black stripes going down. Well, no, she was caught in, in the explosion of the kinetic gyrus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I want you to help me as a therapist almost because I had been saying before they pointed out to me it's clearly another Garfield. Uh, that's we one of my favorite now. pictures of Sonic I ever saw because it's a funny face <laughs> and it's, it's just a fun picture. And I'm like, oh, that makes me happy to see. And so now I'm wondering, like, does this mean that I actually don't like Sonic and I actually like Garfield and I only like Sonic because he's like a mirror reflecting aspects of Garfield, sort of like Plato's allegory of the cape? <laughs> 
Yeah, that could be it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they printed this with your name mixed up with Kirsty McDonald, did you experience any, like, identity crisis? Like, who am I, really? I think a part of me was thinking, did I actually draw the other, the non-Garfield <laughs> one? I have noticed, though, you know, both of them have the little swirlies in the background. That's just what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah what's going on there? Yeah. Did you draw... So, so we can ask half of the people involved, did you draw the swirlies? Or did STC put them on? I'm pretty sure I had the swirlies, because I think in one of the previous issues it had swirlies as well so wouldn't it be amazing if Kirsty mcdonald from curzon park chester who's drawn the picture that's been mistakenly credited to you saw your previous picture and went there's a good luck that's how you get printed i'll draw <laughs> swirlies yeah maybe yeah. i mean i'm filled with doubt now personally now i'm not sure if i actually did draw one <laughs> Maybe you are Kirsty McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Do you ever find yourself waking up and feeling as if you haven't had a good night's sleep and your bed sheets are all torn and your window is broken and sirens are outside and like crimes have been committed all over your city? And you've drawn an Amy. Because I think Kirsty McDonald is lurking inside of your subconscious. I'm going to make it my life's mission to hunt her down now. Find out what was going on. You can't be in me. (laughs) We should actually describe the picture for the listeners, which we haven't done. It is... Sonic, our boy, uh, leaning on a stack of pizzas and uh, eating a slice with the cheese stretching away from his teeth. And yes, if you Google Garfield pizza, it's on the top row. (laughs) The image (laughs) that this one's been taken from. But uh, but I recognised the image myself before I Googled it. I'm interested to know how close it is to this one. I mean, that's the thing. You certainly haven't traced them. That's the thing. You've just taken the idea for the picture and recreated it with some. Yeah, I guess I just didn't have an imagination back then. (laughs) (laughs) But the ice cube one that you drew in the graphic zone, we were very impressed with how reappropriated it was. (laughs) It definitely doesn't look like it's from Garfield. Yeah, I actually can't find the original art that that's based on, so maybe something else, I don't know. Hmm. Is it beyond the realm of possibility that you just made it up yourself? I feel like I ripped it off from something, but... I'm sticking with the Garfield. I, I don't know why, though, because, as you say, like, I could obviously draw Sonic, but... That's the yeah. thing, it's a good... It's Yeah, it is well turned into a drawing of Sonic and Knuckles, and it doesn't have the... It's just the... It's something about it. It's the fact that one of them is grinning out of the page while doing a bad thing to yeah. Odie. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Knuckles. Mm. <laughs> That's what it is. All right, thanks very much, Jess. Thanks for dropping in. We've, thanks uh, for dropping in again. We've interrupted a birthday party that's going... Is it your birthday, for shall we say? Yes, it is, yeah. Oh, my gosh, happy birthday. birthday. Oh, well, happy Thank birthday. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Bye. Bye now. Have a good one. Bye. The other of these two pictures, by we assume at this point, Kirsty MacDonald, it's labelled uh, by STC, Feeling Merry on Mince Pies, and it's Amy, um, eaten a Bakewell tart. It, yeah, it's not a mince pie. <laughs> it's not a, a mince pie. <laughs> it is definitely a Bakewell tart. It's very well drawn and coloured in. Yes, and she's got headphones there around her neck and a Walkman coming in the pocket in her dress. All the classic the- Christmas things. Yeah. Bakewell tarts, <laughs> headphones, Walkmans, yeah. green dresses. You know what? You're onto something here. Yeah, this isn't a Christmas picture. They've tried to make it look like one by saying feeling merry on mince pie. Oh yeah, the holly is just clip art. Cl- oh yeah. Yeah, it was, sure. We're certainly well used to graphic zones taking unrelated images and repurposing them with a crafty caption. Now that I spot it, the caption for Jesse's pizza stack drawing is Christmas dinner. So they're trying. <laughs> oh God, so it is. <laughs> didn't even hard. notice yet. So desperate. <laughs> Check out Amy's plan of action for 96 in STC 68's New Year issue. Oh 
God, Chris, is this our last foot in 1995? Well, I'm so sad about that. The next that. issue doesn't you? come out till December 23rd, so you can save being sad and reflecting on the year till that, because this is not the last issue of 1995. Okay, good. I'll wait. Yeah. And speaking of next issue, slide into 96, a complete Mm. new story, Amy in snow business. There has to be some sort of ridiculously high probability, like 10%, that if a cartoon character is sighted anywhere near snow, someone will say... Snow, snow business. business. It has to be mathematically That's unreasonable. Snow fair. There's yeah. snow way. Ooh. Sonic Hedgehog Monet action. Decap attack. Monster of the new year. Knuckles fist footing. Okay. Yeah. Reviews. Games titled 96. (laughs) I do love that. It's like they genuinely just gave up and they were like, yeah, you get get what we're going (laughs) for here. Oh no, you know that's all going to be sports then, isn't it? Yeah, anything with a number in it is all going to be sports games in the reviews. Plus, Graphic Zone, your artwork. Sure. Uh, Spiker, Badnik, Pinup, oh good. Whoopee, excitement. Which one's the Spiker? (laughs) Okay, Another right. one of the ones that doesn't move at all. Yeah, the hilltop ones that come out the ground, right? They're just the fixed spikes. That's going to be real thrilling. Jesus. <laughs> STC 68 1.20 on sale Saturday, the 23rd of December, 95. So even though they're presenting it as the New Year issue, it is still out before Christmas, but it will carry us through. It will be on shelves through into the New Year. But the year is not yet over for us when we're recording this. For you, in relation to when you will be listening to this, or for the comic. So we will save reflection upon what a cracking year it's been until then. Abby, how did you enjoy this issue? It was great. This was, as I say, it would have been nestled between the back issues my cousins had. I definitely remember ones just before it and just after it, and I wasn't in the country for that. So this must have been their back issues. I don't know what accounts for this uh, absence. You know, I, I never knew... Did Short Fuse win in the end? I didn't know. Maybe Techno died. (laughs) The Techno we know from the Amy and Techno strips is just one of her deputies. (laughs) One of her helpers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy, right. Well, when you're looking for the next issue, you'll be able to find that most places good podcasts are available, but you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast, or you can follow us separately. I am Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. I'm Abby Denton. You can follow me in the street, any old where. (laughs) If you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash stctp, where you'll get access to bonus videos, where we look at the Martin Adams novels from Virgin, and also Dave reads me his saga ongoing effort. It's been a while since we recorded an episode now, and I don't remember quite where we left off, but Mm. I remember it got better, and then it got worse again. (laughs) So... uh, We'll see where that's uh, at by the time you hear this. End of Mobius, he calls it. I call it things you can't pronounce on air. (laughs) And you might be interested, recently on the Patreon, we've put up an extended interview with James Wallace, otherwise known as Martin Adams, the author of Sonic in the Fourth Dimension. So go and find that there. It's a really cool chat. It's really, really nice. Patreon.com forward slash STCTP. We use the proceeds from our Patreon to pay our editor, Sam Gabriel, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. Sam Gabrielvo. Our opening theme song was called Synchronized. That is by Sonic the Comic The Band, and you can find it and them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you just in time for Christmas. Thank you.
to put adverts for it more on STCTP. You do. You we do. We should make an advert and I'll run it on STCTP. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. You heard it here first. Yeah. We're going to start spamming your other more popular podcasts. Yes. And but I've... it's popular with a very specific niche audience. I don't know yeah. if there's any crossover. Can't there, the people who like Sonic like Disney. Maybe. There are some people. Yeah, they should listen to this podcast to find out what animation could be. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. You know, instead of just Sonic X and <laughs> Saturday M and that. Because presumably the fans of your podcast yeah. are doing nothing other than just yeah. streaming Sonic X over yeah, and over and over, over, over again. Time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The brains have rotted out. Yeah. That's why they like your it's podcast. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm hoping I can snag them on this one. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I'm happy to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah, let's do that. Let's drag your other podcast out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you are a fan of STCTP yeah. and you don't want us to ruin that podcast yes. with this one, then come and back this one. Yes. This is less of a promotion thing and more of a blackmail thing. Yes, this is the bit I'm going to run as an advert on the other <laughs> podcast, by the way. I think it helps that my voice is giving out and wheezy mm. and like unpleasant to listen to because yes. that really adds to this air of desperation Doesn't that it? this is a low quality production yeah. that they don't want anywhere near yeah. their pristine yeah. Yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah. If you don't come and listen to Serious Disney. See how unprofessional this sounds? Yes. There'll be more of it <laughs> on Sonic the Comic the Podcast and that's... No one wants that. No. If you don't listen to the podcast, I'll dox Dave. <laughs> yeah. If you like STCTP, then listen to my other podcast, Serious Disney. It's meant to be serious analysis of, like, Frozen and stuff. And it is, but also, it resembles this clip as well. So, you know, Serious Disney. Serious Disney.